nine, wise guy round table. We got a full house on my left, Maddie. The Vig, whole usintegrity.com. To my right, the two-time super contest champion, Steve Fezzik. He's affiliated with himself and himself. Uh, well, at least that's his main interest. I'm RJ Bell. Guys, day after the election, a lot of people stayed up watching returns and such. We don't get political. We do think it was interesting. The odds were so prevalent in the reporting, uh, or at least not so much on TV, but wow, on line twitter and such a lot of attention with the odds and it's usually the best predictor of the future though there was a big swing uh entering the night biden was eh, about 70 percent, i think it's fair to say and throughout the night trump went as high as 80 percent. and as we're recording here almost five o'clock on wednesday at the pregame.com studio slash offices biden is uh, over 80%. I haven't looked for a while. Okay. But our business is making money. Unfortunately, I didn't do a great job two and three this week. And I'll be candid. I took a risk. I was sitting there. Mackenzie was down at the Westgate waiting for the pick Saturday night. I go, you know, our weekend straight out of Vegas show, Bernie Friday hosts it. Mackenzie actually participates. That's production. And also is on air for... I don't, I don't know how that passes through. I mean, I guess Scott Shapiro is asleep, <laughs> but let's hope he keeps, you know, sleeping. But uh, when it comes to that, no. But Bernie, it's funny. Bernie, he loves, if you're not threatening, he doesn't mind you on air. Bernie, it's, he never invites me on air. Hmm. And, and Bernie's a big, I mean, a big supporter. He's been a generous person. He's been a loyal person. Never wants me on air. I guess I'll t- take that as a compliment. Or maybe he thinks Mackenzie's, you know, the future. Couldn't you see like a, a hostile takeover? Mackenzie's got his back, you know, the Shanahan's behind him looking to take over <laughs> pregame. Funny. <laughs> hey, we're, we're taking investors, you know, famous big moneyed investors perhaps. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I said, stay down there. And we'll have an extra hour because usually we try to get the picks in by 9 uh-huh. and the deadline's by 10, right, Mackenzie? Yeah, deadline's 11. Oh, it is 11. Oh, I was nervous when I was getting those picks here late. It was, I got them to like a 52. I'm like, I hope he gets these things in. Or an 0 for 5, people's going to hate me. But um, I, you guys both had the bills. And this doesn't end well for me, so... And I, I, listen, I didn't like many picks at all. So I'm looking, I'm like, they both like it. And I had the list and the Bills was, you know, the first game because of the rotation order. And I said, it was like I had a, I just shook my head and go, no. And I deleted it. (laughs) And I said, I like the Browns. Because that was my favorite pick. Threw the Browns in there. Well, Bills didn't cover, Browns didn't cover. So it didn't matter. But I just said, I can't bet against Belichick. In fact, I'm making it official. I will never bet against Belichick, no matter what. Well, unless the line's three points off. Well, <laughs> how much is it? He's a 60% guy. How many points is it taking the NFL to get to 60%? Three points. There you go. So even at three, he's then effectively a 50. Yes. Three, three points to go from 50 to 60 or 52 and a half to 60? 50 to 60. What do you think of that, Matt? He's 60%. You want to bet against him? No. I won some. I won a little bit, but I, I'll tell you what. How'd the you injury, win? I get batting against him in game. 
No, on uh Oh, here, here. 500 bucks off Fez. Oh, oh. Oh Jesus, he wants to get to this list so No, I'm he just He didn't saying. mention he hasn't mentioned the, the 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 tallies of the batting once this year. He comes in and real innocently goes, "Do you uh do you guys know what the record is for the biggest win on the dream play? <laughs> and it's like, why is he asking that? And it's like, oh, okay. How much did you win, Matt? Uh, 1,800. He was so happy when he just, he, he almost hurt his neck going to the mic right there. <laughs> That's a nice haul. Pretty good. All right. So anyway, just a bad, you know, obviously the market, listen, I was going against the market. I mean, it was probably... I mean, it wasn't that bad. The line was, I mean, it was one and a half of places, but it was juiced up. So it was effectively like two. I mean, what did you see, Fed? Well, Saturday night. I mean, whatever happened, happened. I thought on Saturday night it was two, and then Sunday morning it was like 1.6. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so really, if you're going off a two and a half, I mean, if it was three, it would have been, abs- or was it three or two and a half? No, it was two, two and, and a half. half. Yeah, it was two yeah. and a half. Yeah. So, and th- my rationale was, one, I had just come out with all that work. I was thinking, if I had been talking about um, Baker Mayfield and how good he is in competitive games, and he is, he, you know, expected points added, and I had it as my best bet here. If I don't play, it's like, ah, you know, I guess it doesn't matter. I was just thinking of my thinking. But then we had, um, what was our other? Oh, and then I came in with the Chargers. Because we were getting a half, we were coming off a three. I mean, it was three and a half, the market, and we were batting yeah. three. How? I mean, what? Why does? What's with Anthony Lynn? I mean, we'll save it because we want to go through the games, and then our winner. Uh, we ended up winning the last couple, right? So, oh my God, we had Philly. I mean, we got <laughs> lucky to go two and three. Yes. But last week we had that missed extra point. So I mean, come on. And what was our other winner, Fest? The Dolphins. Oh, that was a nice. That was Fez was the champion of that pick. Now, Maddie, you like Minnesota. Oh, oh, you had them too? And you like Minnesota, but you played them in the circuit at seven, though, right? Seven, yeah. Yeah, so I would have loved them at seven. I mean, seven. line was six, and I was getting seven. It was pretty easy. Yeah, and the line was six when I was looking at it, and I was just like, ah. I get it. It's so funny because the more data you start considering, because there's a site that gives you a luck number. It's something I did like two years. I should rethink doing that again. But the luck number says, okay, how's your third downs relative to what's expected? How's your red zone relative to what's expected? Because that can vary, right, both of those. And then it looks at turnovers and maybe one other thing. And each team just gets a luck number. And the, one of the five luckiest teams in the NFL entering last week was Minnesta. And I'm thinking if a team has like two wins or one, whatever they were, one win. One win. And they're one of the luckiest teams, that's not a good sign. No. But if I didn't know that, I'd probably play Minnesota there. What was it on Westgate? Six and a half? Yeah. Yeah. And nuts. And and I really like Cleveland also. I mean, I eh. had my full endorsement there. I know, but in that game I thought, and then we'll move on, but I thought the we- I knew the weather was gonna be big. And because everyone was saying it wasn't like some great insight. It was like, this is going to be tough. Well, the Browns run the ball in theory. That's what they're good at, isn't it? So I thought if it's a run versus run, I feel good with the Browns. In fact, I'd rather it have been in theory, right? Who do you want in 42 degrees with the white caps, like, like 
like eight feet high in Lake Erie and, and it raining, do you want the team from the Rust Belt or do you want the soft team in from the own, desert? In their own, well, but Oakland was from Oakland, but yeah, you know. I mean, when people move out here like three months later, they're they're not like, oh, it's 110. This is normal. I mean, it takes a couple of years, Dave. But I agree. You would think just being in your own stadium, you know, the wind's more. Right. Right? Wouldn't the wind always be a bigger disadvantage for the road team? Oh, yeah. Because of the different – like Pittsburgh, where you can kick one side, you can't kick the other. Those little quirks help the home team. Parquet floor – first field goal like heads right down the middle and then makes a left-hand turn hits off the upright yeah last question to you Matt, because you've been behind the counter as i like to say truthfully accurately booked billions of dollars billions in nevada it's my theory there's one time that there's two times in the nfl that half points don't matter it's just there's one side that's right one side that's wrong one is if a team's given up or have a Sometimes there's that dream crusher, and it's just that next game they're not trying. There's just something about it. And you can't always predict that, but there's a time you see it, and it doesn't – like the game starts, you see it, and it's like it's over. Mm-hmm. Now, do you ever in-game bat off that, Steve? Like, Mostly like college football bowl games is what really stands uh, out to me. Once, once you see that they're flat, they're flat. Utah State's better than Arkansas today. They're, I don't care that they were plus 13. Exactly. Okay. Now, does the algorithm doesn't account for that? So it's a real no, opportunity. algorithm just takes what the closing number was as being gospel. So if all you did was had a computer and said, and you weren't even watching the games and you said, that there's some threshold of trajectory that this line was way off. It might be a favorite. That is up 28 nothing. It's, but at a certain point, it's like it's past the point of this is a way different than we expected. If you would in-game bet massively at that point in the bowl, you win a lot of money. Yeah, and this year, there was one game that really stood out. The opening game, Navy played BYU, and Navy had no practices. And literally every play, BYU was gaining eight yards a play, and Navy was gaining one. And it, the final score was 56 to nothing, and the algorithm never adjusted. It kept and they will let you bet, like if you wanted. So usually you can bet like a nickel, a, a crack. In yes. Game. So if you wanted to bet fifty thousand, you could. You could. Yes. That's interesting. So my question, Maddie, was the other one was weather. When the weather is so like, there's no way that Browns total was going over. They could play that game. How many? What percentage of the time does that game go over? Five. Five. Right. Does that sound right to you? Is do were the books well. You want to answer that first? Uh, I don't know if it's quite five, but because there's a lot of variables that come times, but that sometimes come with weather too, in terms of fumbles and uh, other. But the wind—that's always the thing with the wind—is it doesn't, but it could. So, but let's just say this: a great, you know, not more than twenty, right? Okay, but five seemed a little. So, if you have a seventy percent pick, when else do you get a seventy? This is like a Mike Warren Saturday morning thing, right? When could you get a seventy percent pick? Did the book were they aware? Did you guys think, oh my god, this is one of those what? Because the market won't. I just wonder what happens if one book just went stadium weather. Well, I know, but what I'm saying is, when it was so extreme, it seems like sometimes, and 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 I'll make this quick. Fez is. We've often said the line went to like back in the day, bad weather would go to 33. I was always, that was for whatever reason, it wouldn't get below that. You know, scoring's gone up. 
I said, I think that total should have been 22, let's say. And But they... Did, did you guys ever know you had just a, a bad number, but the market wouldn't move fast enough and you didn't want to get too far out? Because if the market's 35, you can't go much more than 34, right? Yeah. So how did you guys think about it? You, well, I mean, look, I didn't run risks, but for the most part, uh, the market dictates, its, dictates itself in sports betting. But what we're finally starting to see in regulated sports betting for a change and it hasn't been this way in a long time is people are trying to now manage their risk off liability and not um, market and not off market. And you can do it at a smaller property. So with so many operators now, like some of these kiosks only in Albuquerque, New Mexico and stuff, they literally just run it off an algorithm off liability. So kiosk only, and I'm not super familiar. What I'm assuming it means is that there's a presence in the state that's licensed and there's no walk up to the counter. It's you go to the kiosk, make your bets. I'm assuming there's some place you deposit the money. Yeah. Right. And that's it. And the theory is now who's running? Is that line tied, like all the lines and all the games? Is it automated or is there someone back at the nerve center making decisions on the lines? Well, they have someone at the nerve center, but they're just monitoring. So, hey, bets keep coming in. And there are a couple of counters. It's not all kiosks. There are a couple of counters, but there's. Not much mobile. It's almost all retail over the counter. Uh, so what they eliminate isn't so much the over the counter. They eliminate the mobile. Yeah. Is that just because they don't have the technology? It's just the, the laws in each state. Oh, uh, okay. And so what? So those are the handle there is going to be relatively small. And how does that help a book then go off market? Well, because you can actually manage off liability because the sharps can't pick you off through the mobile apps. Okay. But if the limits were high enough, they just have a runner in theory sitting Sure, the but the limits are low enough to where they're, it's not worth their while. And now with so many states, you pick and choose which states you put runners in. You're not as likely to put runners in Albuquerque, New Mexico, when right next door in Colorado, you have this huge burgeoning market and can get down 5, you know, 510x. We're talking to Maddie Holt, usintegrity.com. It's a company about gambling integrity, and they hunt down the bad guys we should get the dragnet music for you. Dun, 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 dun. That's it for next week. Now, let's continue, though, quickly with this conversation because you are about as legitimate as you can get in gambling, as in not only is there licensing and all that, but you are, you know, you work pretty much every day with the licensed books and you understand that world very well. But because you're tracking down the bad guys, and we'll call them bad in court. Well, first of all, if you're a game fixer, you're a bad guy. If you're a part of a betting syndicate, I wouldn't call them bad guys at all. But I would call them in the gray area of the law, interstate and all that stuff. But because you're tracking, because oftentimes it's not so much syndicates fixing games, but they catch wind or whatever, you know the other side of that world, the gray side. In general, does every major syndicate have runners, in your opinion, and how many of the states? Like you know, they got them in Jersey, right? Like, uh, probably about eight. So there's eight states with enough liquidity now that a big betting group's going to have someone that can bet in all eight of them. Yeah. And really, that being a runner is actually an ox. Well, not an oxymoron, but will be a misnomer in a way because they're really sitting at home with their phones in front of them, right? Yep. Laptops that, and cell phones. That sounds like a pretty good life. That doesn't sound like too tough of a job. Just have to live in this state. Yeah. Ah, 
Okay. Don't even have to live there. You just have to be there at the certain times when the bets are played. Oh, that's a good, that's a good, you know, because Ohio doesn't have it yet, but West Virginia does. And we grew up five minutes from Wheeling, or I did, five minutes from Wheeling. And, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Not that I would offer services back there with all the dozens of people I know, but, Fez, there might be a deal in that. There for, might for be. You to think about it. But I would never do anything nope. across state lines. I, I don't. I made that decision a long time ago. When I got any notoriety, I said, well, you know, I'd be someone they might, you know, get a little attention from. And that's what you need to know about the lawman. At the level of the district attorney, at the level of that kind of thing, they care. It's a political decision. Not political like left, right. It's as in, would this help this guy get profile? Because... Obviously, it's sensationalized, but in billions, the way that the Paul Giamonte character, that's, you know, his job was to decide who gets prosecuted, who doesn't. I, I like to make it easy on him. He's not doing anything wrong. So what can, you know, no decision to make. Unless it's like yelling at McKenzie now and again. I don't think that's illegal, is it? <laughs> if that gets illegal, I'm in big trouble. It's time to retire. All right. This is the dream preview. It's funny. I think Maddie stumbled on the one of the two or three biggest evolutions that's going to happen in this industry. And I like to get quick thoughts here. And Steve, I know you want to believe otherwise. I believe the whole wise guy bad. First of all, I think what people don't realize is wise guys really do ruin it for others. Maddie's like shaking his head, yeah. Because my thinking is I like to get his thoughts. It's not just that they're sharpening up the market, which that's just Darwinian, right? I'm fine with that. But it's the books won't offer certain things that they'd be accepting of it not being a positive EV necessarily or close to break even because a guy like Fezzik's going to try to exploit it in a way that's too painful. Correct. So At the end of the day, there's so many different types of props, derivative markets, um, you know, things that are really fun and engaging, or at least they want to see if they're fun and engaging. Hey, let's try this out. Let's gauge the customer's reaction. But in a market that has a lot of sharps in there, you know that the, you know, the sharks are in the water and they literally just wait for you to make any mistake. So you're hesitant to try anything fun or new. So what you're, wow, you are saying it so well. So what you're saying is literally Fezzik is preventing the batters at large from having fun. Yes. He's taking their fun away. Yes. Their smiles away. Yes. Any comments, Dave? I agree. I mean, look, <laughs> look. if you play a 17 parlay off a parlay card, you get 80, 80 for one now. 20 years ago, you got 104 for one. Why? Because the wise guys took advantage of it, and now it hurts everybody. Now, wasn't that what you were renowned for is, is exploiting parlay cards? Yeah. That's Wore the cowboy boots, cowboy hat, walked around. A lot of action that week. A lot of action. You weren't thinking so much, though, about just the guy who works a job, keeps the trains running, maybe a bus driver perhaps, maybe even a, med a frontline medical worker. And, <laughs> and think about it is literally, literally – and I've been in, listen, I've never been a hero like that, frontline man, you know. And I say hero with a little smile because I think we overdo it. Like the people, all most people think is, I, I'm happy I'm not doing that job. And then that's when they're very grateful for those people. 
but it is a great service, right? It is. So, but I've been in situations, my stress level has been so high that if I didn't have some type of way to, you know, have fun, you know, maybe it was a TV, you know, I was watching Lost or something and it was just so good. What was Locke doing? And I wasn't a huge Lost fan, so, you know, whatever. I different shows. I love Sopranos. There were certain Sunday nights, if I didn't get that release, that enjoyment, it would have been a tough Monday. But I had it, so everything went well. So Mackenzie, or more specifically, Mackenzie, four models back, he's the best model so far, but four models back, price suffered for that state. So who, you know how they said COVID potentially caused, like, uh, domestic abuse and even suicide? What are those secondary effects of, of you taking away the joy of the working man? Oh, I mean, this is deep. Yeah, not really. It's I mean, it, you haven't contemplated that. No, you haven't weighed the pros and cons. Mm-mm. You just said money, money, well, CV. <laughs> Do you now? You're. I mean, I don't want to make a big deal about it, but you're in your mid fifties. I am. So the theory is you're probably as good as you're going to get, right? Because as you at a certain age, you know, wine does keep getting finer till it goes rotten. Right mm-hmm. at a certain, or I think they call it go bad. At a certain point, you don't think you know he's sixty nine. When he's seventy, he's going to be better. You'd agree with that, right? That yes. There's, a, I don't know where that age is. I think it's different for different people. I know people that that age was twenty four. You know that that was, <laughs> but but you're probably getting near that age. And if you just stay even, you're going to be, I'm mean, not even betting, but even as in same as last year, baby, I learned something, I lose something, but I'm at the same level. You'd accept that, right? No, but you've been accepting for about 10 years. I've known you. I, I think I've gotten much better in my betting just in the last three years, much better. Well, now, that part of that's attacking the different yeah, markets that I'm I saying. hadn't done previously. Yeah. Yeah. So is it, you're getting better or there's been better opportunities? Both, I'd say I've done better at game game identification, like a poker player finding the soft game. That's important when you're. But is the talent finding the game, or was it? And it's something you couldn't have found before, or is it the fact that the game exists? The game, the latter. So what you're saying is, I'm exactly right. None of it's about your evolution. It's like if all of a sudden someone was a master of finding grapes at reduced prices. And they were two twenty nine a pound, whatever. And then if a Walmart moves in for the first time, they're offering it for one sixty nine. They can't walk in and say, "I'm better at my job." <laughs> no, the, right. it's Walmart. So anyway, what you're saying is you you're probably as empathetic as you're ever going to be. Yes. How does that feel? Like the whole world looks at you like this guy's a mon. He might. You've probably been called a monster. Not to my face. Well. Oh, you think they're afraid? <laughs> Could you imagine seeing Fessing going, I'm not saying nothing to him. <laughs> so I guess my question is, you're accepting of the fact this is probably as empathetic as you're ever going to be. Yes. What do you think of that, Matt? It just never ends. <laughs> <laughs> I do like it better now that I'm not behind the counter anymore. <laughs> well, pers- And not just because he'd sneak in with the cowboy hat, <laughs> but when he'd get caught, he'd call me and complain, do you know they only let me get nine parlay cards or Matt? 
can you get my WNBA second half team total limits rate? And I'm just like, what, I mean, what are we doing here? Who knows if your career suffered because you were trying to help Imagine him. walking in the risk room and all I would start off with, I had a call with Steve Fezzik and everyone would look at me with the death rate. Like, what like, like, now? Like, we don't want to hear it. Like, we don't care what he wants his limits raised on. And, you know, that was the conversation every week. And what's funny is when he started getting some profile with me, he thought, oh, you know what I, like one, I don't know how big of an element this was in his thinking when he came on board years ago, but it was like, you know what I can do? I can really kiss butt on all this. And they'll hear me on ESPN radio in Vegas say, they're great. And I figured that will help me get my limits, right? True or false, fan? True. And it was the biggest lather fest in the history of the world. And then eventually, like, and I would kill him every time, you know, like on air, like, come on. And then one day he stopped doing it. What happened, Steve? You figured out that, that it wasn't working. No. They it had to care. work a little bit. They, they don't care. They'll get mad at you for saying something bad, but they won't appreciate you saying anything good. That's exactly true. And, I, <laughs> and so even if I said like super complimentary things, all it would take would be one, uh, you know, a neutral comment. Yeah. And then the bologna sandwiches would end. <laughs> But here's the thing, Steve. What you're telling us, what you're admitting, actually, is that you misled the audience in an effort to benefit. Because you were saying you were saying things that were not accurate. You were being effusive. You were being sympathetic to the bookmaker. Cockroaches. Cockroaches, yeah. Do you want to answer for that? I don't think so. I would I'm just confused. I would just find the favorable aspect of the casino. So you, were, you were omitting the full story. There you go. Sure. <laughs> That's what you're embracing. Well, I embrace the positives. But what I'm saying is it's not positive. You were withholding the truth. <sighs> yeah. Withholding's a little harsh. Don't forget, Steve, it's not all about money. It's about those quiet moments. It's easy to say that when you got a lot of it. Showtime! Woo! Best bet, Steve Fazek. Indianapolis Colts plus two and a half against the Baltimore Ravens. I should say, I'm thinking of pressing the button. Fair enough. So, so Maddie had a really good stat here on how good <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts rush defenses. I believe you quoted, give, they give up 3.4 yards per rush, number two in the NFL. Yep. How do you stop that Baltimore offense? You stop the run. So the Colts are uniquely qualified to do so. And I think we know. Uniquely we, means one of a kind. You're right. The Colts are qualified. Well, maybe you could say that if they're the number one, they are only one that good. So maybe you need Yeah, Tampa to. Bay is uniquely qualified, but Baltimore is oh, well Colts qualified. Are two. Oh, okay. Yes, they're two. So, and also. What was the Steelers coming in? Two. How, they didn't do so well against the run, did they? No, they did not. But the Colts also are getting healthier on defense, when the, whereas Baltimore is getting less healthy on offense. Darius Leonard came back, middle linebacker for the Colts. He's really an impact player. And if you look at the numbers with the Colts short sample, with Leonard, Colts are 4-1 and one against the spread. They give up 15.4 points per game. Without Leonard, 
They're 0-2 against the spread. They give up 30 per game. So, And just against Detroit, Leonard made the pivotal play with the strip sack that turned the game around and led to the blowout. So really happy Darius Leonard is back. And Stanley, the best line. Ho, 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 ho. All right. Good stuff there. Mackenzie, do me a favor. Look at the Colts games. Which two games was Leonard out? The Cleveland and the Cincinnati games. All right. So what I want you to do is this. What is the team's average points scored? And then compare it to what the Delta is against the Colts. Do it for all the games. I know that the the build into the average is going to be the Colts game. I'm fine with that because I'm not trying to get that precise. And I just want to make sure if the teams, when they gave up 30, were scoring 30 a game. The other, you know, obviously it's still impressive. But really effectively, how much did the Colts opponents overscore relative to their season averages versus underscore with Leonard? And we'll get a feel for that. You follow what I'm asking for? Yep. Give me a minute. Uh, oh, yeah. Take your time. All right, Fez. So you're saying key player back for the Colts. Key absence with the Ravens at left tackle. And quite frankly, first game without him, which is always the toughest because they're not used to, you know, they have to get used to not having him. Yes. But all that's directional stuff. How do we know that based on the line, all that's accounted for? And, and, and still there's value potentially on the Ravens. Now I got, you're going to quote me your power ratings. Okay. But go ahead. Yeah. I was going to quote you my power ratings. Oh, you don't like that number. Do you? Well, no, it makes, I make the makes the game one. So I have Baltimore, the second best team in the NFL, five and a half points better than an average team. So You still have the Ravens as the second best team. You think the Ravens are better than the Tampa Bay Bucks or yes. the Steelers. Just I barely. could see the Steelers still. I mean, that was a nice win, but it turnovers the city. Just Barrett Stowe, you got him ahead. Yes. All right. So you got the Ravens high. I do. And, and, you're, even still say, and you're still saying that the line here would only be what? One. Okay. So do you have the Colts? What do you have the Colts? Colts I have, one second, number nine. That doesn't seem crazy, does it? You think that's high? No. So, all right. So you're saying... Oh, look, at Packers games up to seven. Seven minus 12. Hmm. All the injuries for San Fran just get released. Oh, okay. Is that right? A bunch more, yeah. So it's probably not COVID-based, you think? It's more injuries. No, it's COVID reserve list. Oh, oh hmm. was, okay. And we'll get, uh, well, we don't do the Thursday game. So we'll record on Wednesday. Um, so is this just the market in general loves the Ravens? I think so. And I think it's going back to last year that, uh, streak of covers that this team had. People believe in this team because well, of last you're, you're year. You're front and center there. Fair enough. And I mean, this is just a different team. All right. I also don't trust the Ravens in a game that's supposed to be close. I don't trust Lamar Jackson. What? I don't trust the Ravens oh, in close I, games. That's an Astine statement. The Ravens are bullies. They beat up on people. That's why well, they. It, it sounds like you're repeating what I t- have told you now for like. Exactly. But you were on the other side of every game. Like, how can you go from not believing it at all to now being a proponent of it? There's a, a big middle there where you're not. Sh- maybe they do bully a lot, but they're still good. No, you just switch from one to the other. B- boomerang. <laughs> I mean. Dude, you just had the you just fought me on like eight shows that the, the Ravens should be favored by like four over Pittsburgh. Well, I I laid oh, six. Apparently. I laid four. Yeah. You know now this line's two and a half, so it's supposed to be an even more competitive game. 
Yeah, but they, they didn't lose because it was a close game. They lost because, well, in this case, maybe they... Well, <clears throat> I think that because of their field goal kicker, the Ravens not, not a, and a great coach, Harbaugh, yeah, you're right. Lamar's probably not great for a close game. But I don't know. I st- he might be because running... Listen, I'll tell you this. If you get the ball up by three with four minutes left, you want Lamar quarterbacking, right? Sure. And if you get... If you get down by three with four minutes, you don't mind him quarterbacking because he can run. He can run all he wants. That certainly makes sense. The only time is if it's a minute 20, you know, if you're in a two-minute offense, Lamar's probably not your guy. But with the field goal, do you think about the Ravens, Matt, as I don't want them because it's a close game? I I don't like playing them in situations against tough run defenses. Yeah, I agree with that. I just feel like their offense is so run predicated. That's a great phrase for it. Run predicated. You can't if you don't run, you don't score. Here's my question. Are we looking at the wrong stat? Shouldn't we be looking at how a team does against scripted runs or running quarterbacks? Because Kansas City, though they've improved statistically, Steve, where's Kansas City at with Rush D? Because I'm going to compare it to it's not great, I'm guessing, but look how they do against the Ravens, which historically has been great. Yeah, that's a good point. So the Kansas City gives up 4.8 yards per rush, which is on the towards the very bottom What's, of the NFL. Do you have the football outsiders rush numbers? Or I just do offensive? not. Okay. Um, McKenzie, maybe take a quick gander at yeah, that. Yeah, they're 28th, the Chiefs, in rush defense, DVOA. So would we say, oh, my gosh, the Ravens – in fact, I think you did in that game say, <laughs> look at this rush, D. Ravens are going to run all over. Maybe the running quarterback's just a different thing. Yeah, could mm. be. So how, I know there's different places that look at unscripted because I know even pro football reference does scrambles, they call it, um, versus scripted runs where the scramble is it was an intentional intention to pass, but the guy runs. And in a way, that's a different thing. Everyone does that, some better than others, right? But then there's the, hey, let's run, do a read option, and now you're running. Correct. How do teams do against – Scripted run seems to be the key with the Ravens. Script, scripted quarterback run. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Because the other run, and to use predicated again, but in a way, Lamar's ability to be a good running quarterback is predicated on the other running element. So I do yes. think that's important. But it only takes that one, you know. As much as they say, oh, Steelers were fine without Devin Bush. I don't think. I think Devin Bush is the one that probably stops a lot of that running that the Ravens did. And you might say, but Lamar didn't have yards, or he had yards except the threat of it is big, right? Because if you if you got a spy or whatever on Lamar, then it's going to be easier to run. Yeah, Dobbins had a big game, and um, the other back had a big game, even though Lamar did not. Mackenzie, have you ever run across any good numbers on uh, against running quarterbacks? Uh, not specifically broken out. I have seen this uh, distinction, drop-back plays, which includes scrambles or passes, versus rush plays. So that way, if, you know, Lamar... Mm. So that's Daniel gonna, Jones that's gonna, gets an 80-yarder. Yeah, that's count. A, yeah, yeah. You were hearing me when I was talking? Sorry. Is that, because I usually will step in when what you're saying is obvious, but I agree with you, is it will take away scrambles, which really shouldn't be against the run defense is the theory. It's really against the pass defense effectively. Right. Because you can run man-to-man that's very effective, but with a running quarterback, it's problematic because your back's turned. Yep, like Colin Kaepernick versus the Packers that one year. All right. Enough mic time for McKenzie. And once you get him started, he gets started. I guess I'd be like a girl, right? Like a pretty girl that's like in a bar and she's all snobby. 
you gotta wonder how many times she was kind of half nice to a nerd and 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 or an asshole, and, and the guy just wouldn't leave her alone after. Sure. It's like asking Mackenzie a question is like I'm the pretty girl, and he's getting a little attention, and he's just gonna <laughs> keep like, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> you ever go to the dog park? Wait. <laughs> What's your first line? Uh, I try to guess their birth month. I thought it was how much for an hour. <laughs> no, that's the, that's the effective. What is the most guessing? Effective. What, what do you mean guess their birth month? What is do it? you walk up and go? You look like a July. <laughs> or do, do you do July or do you do? I always, like, I, oh, you're a Virgo. Here's my secret. I always do March. I've got to be right one twelfth of the time, right? You would have been right one twelfth of the time with July. True, but, but I, March is my birthday, so that. God, you, are, you are a narcissist. The funny <laughs> thing is, what you should guess is the current effing month. Because then one out of 12 times you're right, you could make it, well, let me buy you a birthday drink. Iterations. That is a brilliant, brilliant addition I, his to whole, the strategy. Think about it. That's he, strong. I, I, think about it. I could, his whole life he's been married. Who knows? He might be married to like a senator's daughter right now. I'm thinking not, but still. All right. I'm going to do some research on this. And I'll tweet out on it at RJ in Vegas. Matt, do you, you know, statistically nothing jumps out at you the way to quantify? I, I know they're out there. I just haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. So I don't want to just, right. it would be pure speculation. So Colts rush D good or really good. Ravens struggling to pass three turn or multiple turnovers against, I think it was four, was four one maybe? The yeah, turnover? it was. What other, fa and you're saying price wise, this game is expensive for the Ravens. Yes. Any other thoughts, Matt? Nine, I hit that accidentally. Go ahead. I was like, whoa, I better, I better go fast. <laughs> go, baby. Uh, no, I mean, that's just how I feel. When we've seen this team be in, in obvious passing situations, down against Tennessee in the playoffs, playing the Kansas City Chiefs after they got down, couldn't run the ball against Pittsburgh as effectively and got down. When they are in obvious passing situations, Lamar Jackson is not good. I mean, he is not able to necessarily – get through reads like other quarterbacks. So I like playing against them in situations where I think the other team has a good chance at stopping the run. Okay. I agree. And I said this on SOV and I actually did the video. So I, I'm going to say the 22nd version, but there's a long version on video. Uh, and I tweeted that at RJ in Vegas. And Matt, you haven't heard this. I don't think I'd like to get your thoughts. I think the Ravens have not, gotten Lamar the reps to throw in the spots they should have. So they get up 17. And as Fess says, bully, they keep running, they keep doing their thing, they win big. Why not go like two-minute passing offense at that point? It doesn't even matter about running clock, you know, like making it quick or slow, but just pass, 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 like 80% of the time. Because the theory is it decreases the chance of winning the game because you're not running clock, you know, he might throw an interception. But maybe it costs you one win a year. But in three years, if he got another, let's say, I don't know, 20 passes a month, you know, so if 80, 100 passes. If he got another 200 passes over two years, it seems like it would help him that he'd be in the future a better quarterback. But instead, he only passes in these very narrow situations, which is when they're losing against good teams. Yeah. And and then it's horrible. And then they don't, then next time they get up big, they go, we don't want to pass. Don't you think he, you, they got to feel the pain now to get him his reps? They certainly have to develop him because it's becoming, it's not just a trend or a one or 
you know, a couple of uh, one-offs with Lamar Jackson. We see it time and time again that when when you know he's throwing the ball, he is not one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, and the results are not only bad but often disastrous as he tends to turn the ball over at a really high level in obvious passing downs. Last thing I'll say is this. NFL generally, if it's third and 12, your ability to pick up that third and 12 is the difference between a okay quarterback, a serviceable game manager, and a Super Bowl winner. If you can't pick up the third and 12 at a decent rate, you don't win Super Bowls. Yeah? Mahomes. Mahomes, Peyton Man. I mean, just go up yeah. and down the list. Yeah. I mean, Kirk Cousins in the right spot looks good. These are all professionals. It's just that it's that when everything's against you, can you get the, you know, Drew Brees. And really, once you get past that A tier, you know, I'm not sure as much as I think Burrow could become that. He's not that now. No. Right? As much as I think Herbert. You know, oh, let me ask you one from SOV, too. We have, we've been having some good shows, guys. And you can get the podcast. Just search RJ Bell or Straight Out of Vegas. It's free. 40 minutes a day. Fez is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Thursdays during football. Tuesday off. He's by the pool. If you were, you know what we'll do? We'll save this for the Dolphins game, right? Yeah. This is a poll question. And I actually did this on Twitter, and it got massive response. I mean, it had like 20,000 responses, and it was shocking what the number was. All right. Anything else, Russ? You got it? Yeah, we're I, good. I, I'm going to look deeper at this, but if you're, I trust your numbers. So if there, I thought there might be, God darn it, below a field. The Colts are that good. What's their big win? The line, I mean, that lines was impressive, but what's their best win after that? Hmm. I don't think they have one. Yeah, I don't think so either. They, against Minnesota, right? At, at Chicago, nineteen eleven was decent. Oh, that's true because they led that game nineteen to three, so they dominated that game. And the close, Maddie, you actually have as one of your five picks the Colts. Yeah. So you guys, it's a double like on this. And this might have been my best bet as well, if not really? for Fez's. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was certainly one of my favorite three. Well, now. Whether well, it was going to be the Bills, Colts, or, or the one I settled on. Which is? Arizona Cardinals, minus five. I mean, I did like Miami last week. I thought the spot was really good against the L.A. Rams. And although the final score results may have been really positive for all everyone who backed the Miami Dolphins, they didn't necessarily get there the way I thought they'd get there. And granted, that that L.A. Rams defense is really good. So despite the fact that Tua didn't have his best game out of the gate in his debut, um, I do take it with a little bit of a grain of salt just because at the end of the day, the Rams are, you know, one of the better defenses. But in this, now I think it's a bad spot for them to have to go across the country against a, a quarterback who's going to be able to get out of the pocket and make plays happen, which they've struggled with a little bit this year. We saw when they played Josh Allen, he was able to get out of the pocket and make plays happen. A very similar situation here with Kyler Murray. I think Arizona is going to be able to get Murray out of the pocket, make a bunch of plays happen. And at the end of the day, Tua is going to have to play a lot better. If Tua plays the same game he did against uh, the L.A. Rams, against the Arizona Cardinals, they're not going to get all those turnover luck again, and they're probably going to be in a lot of, of trouble. And at the end of the day, the look-ahead line here is six. 
Obviously, Arizona didn't do anything to hurt their chances. They were off a buy, so they're fresh off a buy, which should get a boost. Wait, yeah, but the theory is the look at that line accounts for that. Counts for the buy. But I mean, they certainly couldn't hurt their chances no, off true. a buy. They had no yet. injuries, yeah. no COVID. And so we're saying that we're upgrading Miami off a game in which Tua went 12 for 22 for 93 yards. And, and, and That's Tua, a good point because whatever you thought of Tua, and again, I don't want to make a big deal. I think you're mispronouncing it. It's Tua. Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah. Is that right, Steve? It's Tua. Nice. Yes. Yeah, it's nice you didn't mention it. Is he <laughs> underperformed? Any reasonable yeah. expectation? So how in Miami, though the score looked good, Fez, you had a great stat on this. First downs. Well, that is a good one. The one I was going to say was they had four scoring plays or touchdowns. The total yardage was less than 40 yards. On offense. On offense. One of them was a yeah, return, return, one yard, and like a 38-yard drive. I think it was a 28-yard, right? Was it? I thought I think it was least... 37 and one, uh, right? Yeah, but yeah. so less than 40, Same. we'll call yeah. it. So, and the fact that, that on one of the returns that he got pulled down at the one-yard line, if he would have just scored, the narrative everyone would say, oh, they had three return touchdowns, but now the narrative is they had only two, and the offense scored two touchdowns. No, not really. I think you did that pretty well. So you're saying, hey – Miami's offense is actually hugely disappointing because, in theory, they could have been shut out. Yeah. Like if you only have a drive, let's say you get a field goal off the 30-some-yard drive, and which you're not guaranteed. Remember, Dallas had five straight drives of 30-plus yards. And score one <laughs> that's, point, a, that's a great point. Right? And I thought that was noteworthy. And the, and, and the Dolphins had one drive longer than that. If they're shut out, what's this line? Yeah. You're making Six, a good point. Seven. Yeah. I think it's seven. So, yeah, it, so, again, I think Miami's going to struggle a bit here on offense. Two is going to have a learning curve to be able to play in the NFL, and and we've already seen this Miami defense struggle with a mobile-type quarterback like Kyler Murray. We saw it with Josh Allen. I'm going to go ahead and lay five points with the Arizona Cardinals fresh off the bye. I believe Miami's won. It's so funny. If they would have kept Fitzpatrick in, Miami would probably be my blind bet team right now. Meaning if you just said, don't even know who they play, who, really effectively, who's the most undervalued team? Who would that be? It would be Miami for me. I just think Tua is maybe what now? Three, four points of adjustment down? I made it two and a half. Yeah, so you're wrong. And I think maybe I'm wrong because now, of the reason. What was it last week? What, initially, what was it last week? Two and a half. So no adjustment. He met expectations for you. Yeah, and he didn't. Good point. Right. Yeah. Now you could also say on the other side, what's the trend line up as a quarterback gets experience? Yeah, but now now the defense gets to see film on him for the first time. Mackenzie, let's do a little research project. All right, the last three years, because the NFL changes fast. Give me a pedigreed quarterback, because it really is different than if they're trying to account for him. You know, like oh, it's a six-round guy. We're going to only run certain things. Pedigreed quarterback. So let's call him a first rounder. What's his QBR game one, game two, game three, game four, game five? And what we're going to do is just sum them. You know, I don't know how many quarterbacks there's going to be, four, five, six. And we're going to take an average of what the delta is as weeks pass. So it might be between week one and two, they go down. and But there's a big jump in week three. You know, it might be as Fez was thinking – 
going from zero to something on him with film helps the defense. But once they see one game, the defense doesn't really benefit much after, but his experience helps in game three, four, five. But we don't know. Got it. Oh, for sure. All right. That's going to be fascinating, Fez. What is the trend line on these quarterbacks? What do you think? Yeah, I'm very interested in it because remember when we had all the accidental quarterbacks last mm-hmm, year and mm-hmm. they started out and like had this. 14 and 0 or something? Yeah. Like it, spread? And it seemed like all of them were like 3 and 0 or 3 0 and 1 to start and then they fell off the cliffs. But remember, none of those were pedigreed. That's a good point. So I just, yeah. I, I feel like the quarterbacks are six rounders. They're going to do it a little different, like the offense and the defense. And once that study's done, once that study's done, I'll put it out on Twitter this week because I do think it's important considering with two uh, and on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. All right. We got anything else in this game? Just two of his numbers, 93 yards passing, only 4.3 yards per pass. QBR, ooh, 25. You know, I, have, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but – Miami's one of the teams that is the first half, second half splits are massive. And I'm trying to remember, I'm almost certain the first half is much better than the second half. But like there was like three or four teams at the Chargers were one, but obviously I guess to some degree there. And Falcons probably. Yeah, they Lions. were. Yeah. So, but the teams to me that aren't necessarily giving up huge leads, like it, the teams that give up huge leads, it gets in your mind, right? And thus, everyone kind of knows. I don't even know if it affects the lines, but at least it gets in your mind. Miami, certain teams, unless they give up some huge lead or have some big comeback, you don't even realize it. You know, no. just kind of see the score. One week, they're up big at half. Next week, you don't really think, boy, they're down at half a lot. And I guess if it's extreme, you might. Or if you bet them. Right? The games you bet, you remember. That's why Malinsky used to say you should bet every game for 25 bucks. Or whatever number doesn't matter all that much, but you'd like to win, you know. You know, especially season wins, because it all takes us a $10 bet. And all of a sudden, even on a college team, then you'll know what the result is each and every week. But if you did that for every, that's the thing I didn't understand with his theory. If you do that for every game or every team, eventually it's just like it is now, which is you got, like, are you going to just put all that much more energy? Yes. Having any skin in the game, you pay attention. I just don't think people have the bandwidth to pay an unlimited attention. No. Hmm. So you have a season win on 110 college football teams? Not this year. So but you, normally you I pra- do. You don't practice what you preach. Well, because all the season wins were like, it was a totally fragmented market this year with what COVID. What does that mean? You got a bunch of excuses. You could have, could you have gotten bets down? Yes. Would that have caused you to somehow pay more attention? Yes. And you chose not to? Yes. So is there anything else to really say? No. Fragmented market, that's like jargon. So here's the question. How much money last year... I got 75, we'll give you 80. 75, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, so you're saying that the equilibrium point was well past the 50% mark, the, the, the tip of the bell curve. Yes. You know something. It might be true because he might not have brought it up otherwise. Like he's like a, a, he's brilliant at thinking of what could he I be at? Is that going to look good? Is that? Mm, yeah. Mm. 
You know, Maddie, I saw you, and you kind of wrote me a note real quick here, is there was a pretty curious halftime situation on this Central Michigan game. Yeah, with a minute 10 remaining in the second quarter, they had some power issues in the stadium, uh, and thus they took the halftime break, went into the locker room, took their normal halftime break, and now the, are going to come out, play those that last minute 10, and then go directly into the third quarter. And I was just curious, you know, uh, you, we know that rules vary between sports books. Are some of these sports books now going to treat the first half wagering differently on this game? Now, Steve, we've talked about things like this where you love to make proclamations of certainty. What do you think is going to happen here? Like, will there be a weird grading? Will you know, like, or you think it goes just the way it go, or the way it always would? It's going to go the way it always it would. Like, if there was a power outage, they're going to come back. They don't care that there's a 15 minute halftime or a 15 second halftime when the half, first half ends. They'll grade it like they would any other. Here's the question. Halftime betting during that break, does it cover just the third and fourth quarter? Yes. Well, this is what I wonder now. What what I wonder about this situation, so they're coming back out. They're saying they're going to go directly into the third quarter. Normally at halftime, that's it. There's going to be a kickoff after that. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're going right into the third quarter? They're not finishing the first half? This says, we'll come back out and finish remaining time in second quarter and then immediately go into third quarter. Okay. So there won't so, be a halftime yeah, line. They're gonna. It'll be almost like a. Well, how do you? What do you mean? If you're a bookmaker, how can you put a halftime line? Put a halftime. It's for the third and fourth quarter. Nah, you just put up a live wager. You just say this is for the rest for what the game is. No, I don't but think any bookmaker would put. I'll, I'll, look, I'll look. Well, no, no. What I'm saying before you look, is it still halftime right now, Matt? Uh, I'm looking. No, at they it. just picked back up, and there was just a score. In fact, in the last minute of the first half. No, you just made a good point. The reason they wouldn't have the halftime line is, I wasn't thinking about that, is they don't know what the score is at that point. Yeah. I thought you meant just because it would confuse people that there was going to be a minute 15 before. Yeah, how do you make – because the score affects what the halftime line would be. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Here's my question, Steve. You like to put odds on things. Now, you remembered a couple years ago at the Oscars when – and maybe you don't – is Moonlight was one of the movies – and then they announced the winner, and he's, and it was a, I can't remember what the movie was. It was a movie other than Moonlight. And literally the people were up on stage getting their statues, and a guy walks out and whispers to Jimmy Kimmel, and it's like, Jimmy Kimmel was like, um, well, I think we got a mistake here. And people were like were laughing. So this was 2016, and it was La La Land was the film that won it. And it ends up that somehow the card was wrong. Now, my question is, and think of the Heisman Trophy. You can relate to that, right? If someone, if they say the winner of the Heisman Trophy is O.J. Simpson, and he's up and he's got the trophy, would you think they're going to take it from, oh, wait, that's not enough. Would you think that, (laughs) would you, (laughs) well, that's the best. I'm such a huge fan of, um, Norm McDonald, I mean, he is so, I, I've seen Norm McDonald in, in Vegas more than I've seen all the other comedians combined. He's a, I think he's a genius. But he did the ESPYs one year. And it was right when the, I think it was maybe 2000. Whatever, and he goes, uh, whoever won the Heisman, he goes, so-and-so. He goes, what a nice award. He goes, no matter what happens in your life, they will never, 
ever be able to take that away from you. Well, except if you kill your wife in a waiter, then they probably will. <laughs> I mean, it was great. He never was asked back, but, you know, that's a sign he did well. At that point, if OJ has the trophy and I say, you know what? I bet OJ didn't win. Forget take it. I bet he didn't win. What odds would you give me? 100,000 to one. So you're not certain of that one? I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got to be one of the mo more disingenuous, duplicitous people I've ever met. Got to look up these words. There's no way that you could possibly say you were certain that they're going to grade, that every book in the world is going to grade that the same way as if it didn't happen. Like, effectively, no difference in this game. But the idea that someone who's accepting the <laughs> award and starting their speech, you're m less certain of that. That's a good point. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> I, th I think it'll be interesting to see how they handle that because I guarantee there'll be some debate. And so be can some you book. think of the rationale of anything other than what Steve said? Like, what would be the argument? Uh, I think there could be an argument on first half betting. On first half betting. That's I think I'm that's saying. it, yeah. What's the argument? The argument is, is that the first half is supposed to be uh, uh, 15 minutes followed by 15 minutes. In series. Followed no by break. a break of 12 followed minutes. Followed by a break. You could make a case at third quarter and fourth quarter batting made beforehand. You know, it, it, they don't have second half batting beforehand typically, right? Correct. I but mean, they the have third game, and fourth quarter. Yeah, the whole game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The whole game dynamic is changing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think. There's could, precedent, though. I mean, there's weather delays that happen. Yeah, but they doesn't never. change anything. But they don't. The problem is now the second half of this game, essentially, we came out of the locker room or playing the second half is now going to be 31 minutes and 10 seconds instead of 30 minutes of football. And theory is that the first minute and whatever isn't the second half, right? It just came after halftime. Yeah. I agree with you. No, I it's think likely he's probably right. Yeah. yeah. But I'm interested to see if it is because. If it's not the case, I'm sure I'm going to have a bunch of complaints on my desk in the morning. Probably will either way. You're, as time passes, you will have the greatest aggregation. And again, this is usintegrity.com. You got some stuff for the public there, right? Yeah. Like some reading and stuff. Sure. And you'll have the greatest aggregation of cases. Of Customer like, complaints. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but all, that, all that, you know, a lot of griping, you'll find almost anything that can happen, you're going to have history on it. It'll be yes. like... It will be literally, I really believe this could be like even a database that, you know how LexisNexis, they get all like the legal stuff uh -huh. or whatever. It could be like that. Is Give me a situation that, and that, that you could start get that this happened. There was a delay. Show me all delays. There might be 200 of them, right? Show me all. And it's precedent. Like you are creating, like like the Supreme Court, you're creating precedent. Yeah. Well, I'm making you sound good. Eh? I like it. <laughs> Well, you did buy me dinner. I thought LexisNexis was the perfect example as well. Yeah. And that, I mean, I by the way, we, we, I mean, we use LexisNexis. Everybody does, right? One of the greatest investigative tools there are because of the database. Is there another business for you? Is your a dispute resolution that, that the state of West Virginia says we have con, uh, contracted U.S. Integrity to settle, almost like a mediator, to settle all customer disputes that rise above a certain level. Where then their own, they don't have to have a state commission bother with it. That's interesting. It is interesting. Ten percent. I would like. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> I may have to take it up at my board, see you if know, there's interest. And what's funny is, even if it was a break-even endeavor, it's like being on, let's say, a charity's board. It looks good. Yeah, right? credibility. It looks like, it, like, if that person is the one deciding who gets paid, yeah. hmm. And you know what you could do? You could get, like, former Nevada gambling commissioners potentially to sit on, like, a tribunal that you guys, con that you went and paid them and then you were middling, not middling the deal, but you were contracting them to participate. So instead of just you and the internal team, it's you and two other former commissioners or whatever. Sure. It's a tribunal that makes a decision. Yeah. Sounds great. Wow. Matty Holt's a big-time guy. you think they'd call Matthew. Mm. I know. <laughs> Do you know that after we said that on the show, I had all these people reaching out to me and, like, uh, if I call you vague, can I get a job and all this other stuff? <laughs> well, the, the team that does the um, the notes on this part, I gotta, you know, I haven't tweeted those out Sunday morning. I'm gonna do it this week. So, but um, they do a really good job, and it's a passion project. They love it, but they do, you know, other a couple other pods, and um, that they do amongst themselves, you know, just to see what the picks are or whatever. And on that sheet that they send me. You're, you don't even get your name anymore. It just says Vic. Oh, really? That's it. There's no Matty Holden. <laughs> it's a good name. Yeah, no, I mean, if, great. if you're evil, it's almost like wanting to be a heel, right? Who would want to be the Vic? All right, so it's my best bet. I'm choosing between. You know what we can do? I'm going to tell you guys what I'm choosing between, and we can talk those games through, and right then I'll decide. I'm thinking about the Patriots. You want to start talking about that game? Yeah, but let me. Well, might as well knock them out. Yeah, let me get the list real quick here. I'm thinking about the Chargers, and I'm thinking about Washington, and I'm thinking about the Panthers. Four pick. Let's do. It's the RJ four, and let's. Why don't we go in chrono or um rotation order? Chiefs ten and a half, hosting the Panthers. By the way, just to be clear on these uh, lines, because I don't know if I was super explicit about it. So on Fez's line, we've got two and a half Ravens. And Cardinals favored by five at home. Mm, I don't know. If it wasn't for two, you wouldn't like this if it what's your adjustment from Tua to Fitzpatrick? I actually had it as almost a net negative, maybe a minus a half. That's what you had last week. Yeah. Where are you at now? Well, now, well, I still think he's he, eventually he's yeah. going to be a net negative. So right at this exact what moment. He's, eventually, it's an upgrade for Tua. Correct. But right, not now. Right now, it's probably a two points uh, low. Mm -hmm. All right. I, I think. And it's, the, the look ahead was six. How did this line go down? What did Miami do that made us think they were it's any? It's a score. It's a score. I guess. And that's the beauty of it, right? This is, a, yeah. in a way, a faulty final. And not to mention, and Fez, let's be honest. I don't like to brag. <clears throat> I think to tell the truth, but I don't like the brand, is tell the audience a little bit about my total special. I don't bet a lot of totals with you, do I? No, not at all. Tell a little bit about it. So RJ sends me an urgent message, and he sends it the night before because he knows Fezzik's unpredictable and unreliable on the day of the um, game. Somewhat. Fez, I'm looking at this one game. Miami, Rams, I love the under. What am I missing here? What do you think? What are your thoughts? And so got back. You know, I was looking towards the, the under. Pace of the story. I was looking at the under as well, and RJ's like, fire, get me a dime. 
Wait, right. you were looking at the under as well. No, I leaned under. Mm-hmm. I leaned under. Mm-hmm. So I piggybacked. It's RJ's play under. So I'm watching the game. Think about this. So there's not one. There's not two. There's not three. There's really four scores based upon turnovers and returns. Because yeah, but at 140 yard or whatever, but three. Well, Donald got a strip on two on the 13 yeah. yard line. So the Rams. Four. So there's four freakazoid touchdowns. So, so 28 points. So we don't play under 46. We're playing under 18. Essentially, still goes under. Well that, done. That's pretty strong, Matt. Were you yeah, that this is, is a pretty good. Nice about me. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you're you're quite loquacious. <laughs> well, I also think some of those times the way the order in which they're scored can dictate a lot of what happens. So because Miami scored them all early all of a sudden their offense wasn't being aggressive at all. Oh, I disagree, though, because this is a chair thrower. It's the underdog that went up 21-7, to 7, which is normally absolute death to the under because when the team that's favored is down double digits, mm-hmm. typically all hell breaks loose. So I would say even more powerful that you have the right side. What do you right call side. it, a chair thrower? Yeah, going? the chair thrower is like when the coach of the team that's favored at halftime starts throwing furniture around, screaming at his players, how can we be losing this team? we got to just throw the kitchen sink at them. I heard George Hallis once threw an ottoman. That's <laughs> 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 pretty good, huh? Let me explain my thinking on the handicap. <laughs> No, real quick, though, my thinking was this, and I heard one person say it. No one else said it. At least, again, I don't listen to everything. It was... I love this song. This is what Don Rickles, every time he did The Tonight Show, this was his entrance. It had taken like four minutes to get to his seat. He'd go to the crowd and bow, wave. Don Rickles was funny. But anyway... Obviously, the Patriots know how to stop this Rams team, the offense. So, obviously, who was key to that Super Bowl is the head coach now of the Dolphins. Mm. So, the blueprint was there. That was point one. Point two, Tua, I thought was a big downgrade. So, obviously, I didn't think there would be a ton of offense there. Not to mention, I thought the Rams were coming out from, uh, you know, they were fatigued. You know, you said Fed's one of the more fatigued teams you've seen, really, based on their travel. Right. And to me, in general, fatigue lends to more lethargy. I, I think the defense plays worse, but I think the offense plays worse. I think things tend to, you know, just slow down. Like, a minimum, the Rams aren't going to be rushing. Why would the Rams be rushing if you're tired? Do you really want more plays and less rest, uh, rest time? So I, I don't I think that not the Tua stuff was very accurate. Um, you know, like we said, less than hundred yards. And I think you could make the case the Miami defense playing well was accurate. Yep. I don't know. I didn't look at what the snap time was in between snaps, but there you go. Don't want to make a big deal about it. Oh wait. All right. <laughs> Next game. Oh, we're starting them Panthers, Chiefs. So my rationale here is simple. Kansas City is the ultimate flip-the-switch team. They play hard sometimes, sometimes they don't. But you might say, RJ, they could have played hard, or how do you play hard against the Jets? They dominated the Jets. They covered a big, big number. And, Fez, by the way, your seven picks, what was your record? Two and five. Oh. Oh. One game below 500 now. 
And the Vig. And the Vig. Now, what's interesting is you never seem to let an hour or whatever go not talking about those when you win. You know? Oh, I put them in my notes. Guess who shows up for no reason at all to get his grandstanding and hot dogging in? You, man. He's not saying. Guess who shows up to have full transparency and culpability? On page six versus page one. Plus, do you think anyone looks at your notes? <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, like, you're like saying, well, if you read the remittance order, I mean, the master of fine print, somehow you don't leave it to the notes when you win, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what did the notes have to do with anything? I can see why you're so hated. I mean, by like the people who know you personally. Hmm. <laughs> no, they don't tell you your face. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. They love you, Steve. You're so fun. I mean, you're so generous. And you, you want to bask people with confidence? I mean, who wouldn't love you? What if you were, you're married. <laughs> yes. So, you know, at least one person can stand you as they said, as they said in the departed. No, I'm teasing. But anyway, let me ask you a question. Is divorce has happened. I'm not saying you expect it. But it happens when you least expect it, is what I've learned from movies. You ever see Kramer versus Kramer? No, you haven't, have you? No, I haven't. So here's the question. If you were putting an ad up on Match.com after the divorce, what would be your two strongest value props? As in, come, endorse sex with me, and you'll get this. What would it be? Like, what? sell yourself. Quirky left brain ex-actuary... No, 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 no. That's good. But what I'm, ta- what I'm talking about is the idea. Let's be serious. No, the idea. Like, if if you you gotta have times at two in the morning, you look at yourself and say, I could be a better person. What am I doing? Like everyone does. It's a human endeavor. Do you ever have those? Do you ever have those moments of doubt? Even Jesus did. You ever listen to Sympathy for the Devil? Remember? Hmm. Yeah, he had his moments of doubt and faith, and doubt and faith. I mean, everyone does. Do you ever lose faith in yourself, or do you have more faith in yourself than Jesus did in the omnis- omniscient God? Unfortunately, I just don't think about these things. So, which means you don't think they need thought about. I don't even get that far. <laughs> I don't make the conscious decision not to think about it. I just don't think about it. So, how do you improve? I don't know. Your wife I, tells you what to get better. I just at? think about: Did anybody put up a halftime on the Central Michigan game when the but halftime you, only you, lasted forty-five seconds? You don't do that, though. That's not the only thing you do. You never th- stop and think, "I need to get better at something." Well, business-wise, <laughs> so you figure that's worth the, <laughs> the, the introspection, but not. Yeah, Matt. Do you, Matt? Hollywood, Matt, do you believe that he has never, ever had an introspective assessment in his life? I do believe that. Have you ever met anyone else on earth that you would believe that about? Nobody. Seriously? Uh, I mean, I'd have to go back through the memory logs. But so how many different while, jobs no. have you had? Uh, four or five. And, and, but you've been in the workforce for 20 years. Yes. Right? You're mid-four. So in 20 years, you've never run across someone like Steve Fazek. No, I haven't. I work in the uh, in the arts. It's commercial arts, but the arts. So we're generally more introspective. <laughs> but there's a lot of business side to those things. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, those people have to think deeply to work with us. <laughs> I mean, Matt, how many times in a, in how often do you have introspection? Almost daily. <laughs> it's so funny how he said that in such an innocent voice. You sound like a like like you were like a um like you work for the church. You go almost daily after prayer. It's <laughs> well, some of it for us is we're um, a new company in an emerging space, and we want to make sure that. Well, that's business, though. I'm talking about you as a as a father, as a husband, as a well, person. A lot of it is how, how me as a boss. You know, mm -hmm. how do I work with my employees better? How do I do things better? And then how do I work so many hours running a startup and go home and still be a good dad and husband? And still and sit through all these stories. Moving on. What do you think of the game, Fez, with Carolina and Casey? You know, I like your side with Carolina. I think Kansas City, you know, a little bit fat and drunk and happy over the last two games because it really set up nicely for them. So they got Denver in the snow and Drew Locke's been lousy against Kansas City and in the snow. And so Kansas City cruised in that game. And then when they played the Jets, you know, I saw something that's very rare in the NFL. At the end of that game against the Jets, there's two minutes left. The Jets have the ball close to midfield. In almost every case when I'm watching a game, the team tries to score there. A big underdog, make it look a little bit better, pad the stats. And the Jets handed the ball off three straight times. So it wasn't like Kansas City stopped them at the end of the game to, to you know to cover double digits. The Jets didn't even try to so that score. That would have been a cover if they scored? It would have been, yes, because it was 35-9, so Kansas City was laying 20. So the spread was in doubt, but even with the spread in doubt, Jets, eh, game's over. So the in-game for the cover there... Probably, and I guess they don't have it that way, right? That's an interesting market, right? Wouldn't it be interesting to always keep a market on the cover so people who had the bet could could hedge out? Yeah, and some books do deal all the way down to the you know to the two minute warning, and if it's a very competitive game, but they they deal to the cover. I, no, they correct me if I'm wrong. They deal a spread for the rest of the game. Correct. Yes, but in a blowout, oftentimes they'll take it off because of situations Steve, like you're, you're this. Not, you gotta listen, listen. What am I saying? I'm saying the line's 20, let's say. What's the chance of Kansas City covering the 20? Wouldn't that be an interesting market? Yes. Okay, but it's not offered. It, it is offered at times with when? two minutes to play. Oh, so you're saying it only is offered at two minutes? No. The, nobody – what, what RJ's saying is you, you have the opening – you have the spread on the game is 20. Yes. A vast then, majority of the money's bad at that. A lot of money's bad at that. Yeah. And then can you deal off that number the entire game? Will Kansas City cover the 20? Yes, you no. Move the money line at that point. Yeah. Do you see how that would be a perfect way to hedge out or uh, of a bet? Yes. You finally get it. I get it, yes. Why are you smiling like a maniac? You, you, I never thought about that, yeah. <laughs> but it makes sense. That's where you'll get the most action, right? If so you what you just that. said is I just came out with something that probably will give a massive amount of action that's never been done. So, Maddie, what's your thoughts? And, again, obviously I like that idea, but, you know, I only got so much time. What do you think of Casey, specifically as a team that's kind of been hot and cold on and off? Yeah, my concern here isn't with KC in this particular game as much as it is a little bit with Carolina. So, uh, and maybe even Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater in particular, who started off the season so well and and had that amazing three game run actually, where where they won three games in a row, 
you could say that Teddy Bridgewater's play was the catalyst of that three-game win streak, but his play lately hasn't been very good, and it's kind of the opposite been part of the problem for him. In fact, in two of his three last games, he had QBRs under 50. You know, he only threw for 176 yards and a pick and was sacked three times in a loss to Atlanta and had a Q- QBR of 29.9 in the loss to Chicago, no touchdowns, two interceptions. So two of his last three games have been really bad. So it was Chicago was bad, which made sense. And what was the, was the other bad game? Falcons. Oh, my God. And what do we call bad in that case? Uh, 115 to 23, 176 yards a pick, sack three times, QBR 43. Mm, that's not good. Not against the Falcons defense. Fez, so we, something's changed to where yeah. he's not playing well. Or we could make the case it's one game because the Bears are so tough. But I hear you. I was never a big Teddy fan to start with. Fez, what do you think of Teddy Bridgewater's trend line? Because Matt's making a good point. Chicago, he was not great, and he wasn't great against Atlanta. Yeah, and his trend line's been poor, and also he really got his, he really got his he really got his bell rung the last game. So he had to he had to come out for a series. They put in PJ Walker, and so I got I got to worry about that hard hit that Teddy took as well. Is and, is he going to be less inclined to run? After that was a game, that was the last game before his. Uh, that was on Thursday night. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if it was last game or the game before. Well, I think it kind of matters. It, I, I think it was against the Falcons. Yeah. Yes, it was definitely against the Falcons. 100% against. So correct me if I'm wrong. Carolina was on the road in that Falcons game, right? No, they were home. Carolina was home. They were home, okay. Still, Thursday night? Thursday night home against the yeah, Falcons. Yeah, but, but, but in theory, you could say that you got a very uninitiated coaching staff, you know, a very college. I don't know. Did Baylor play a lot of Thursday games? I don't remember. It just seems like Probably maybe not. you could excuse a little bit. It's a very unique situation, you know. I don't know. Hmm. All right. So would you lean, Casey? Like if you force bat this, well, I wanted you... to be on your side on yeah. the Panthers. Christian you... McCaffrey comes back. That's got to yeah. be a yeah, positive. But that's, see, I disagree with that. The case people has been making some smart people is when a good running back goes out, it forces teams to throw more early downs, and that they should throw more. That they efficiency says they should throw more just some teams are stuck in i guess in old thinking but then if they get forced to throw more they actually do better it's a good point but they do throw a lot on first down to c-mac also i mean he's he's kind of like c-mac huh yeah c-mac <laughs> how do you how do you decide when to give like use the nick is that your nickname or is that a common nickname that's a common i i, I it's never my nickname but the, i thought the ostrich was yours yeah it is that's true so but that's that's pretty unusual. You normally you um, like A-Rob. are the originator of the ostrich, Osweiler. Or, I, I don't know. I know who he I've is. I've never heard anyone th- before. Faz. Faz. Just because RJ didn't hear it, let's. Uh, yeah, I don't between know. Between us, boys, you, you never heard. Maybe I heard it on some talk radio. Somebody else may have. So what we're saying is, you didn't come. You now know. I can tell by your face. You know what's funny? Lie detector test. At one time. This is no lie, Matt. One time, he quoted an entire skit from Seinfeld and said said it was his idea. (laughs) And then he goes, I didn't watch Seinfeld. And we have him on tape talking about like a dozen other times over the years. You might be pathological. Possible. Have you... 
do you ever like your wife um she's not afraid to tell you her thoughts is that fair not at all okay do you ever just dismiss because she probably says some pretty harsh things i mean wives tend to they get emotional Yes. It's not about being a woman. It's like there's so much connection. So How much- can you leave the house with the mask and not the visor? You got to wear both in those casinos. COVID is rampant everywhere. And really, she doesn't care that much about you. Let me ask you this question. She loves you, but like the prince, she's worried. If she had the following choice when COVID started, is Fez gets it for sure and rides it out in a motel room. But by getting it, he makes it where Precious Johnny can't get it. He becomes immune somehow. Or take the whole family takes their chances, meaning you might dodge it or you both might get it. Who knows? But odds are no one will get it. Mathematically, what do you think she'd do? As long as she knew I wasn't going to die, she'd say, go ahead and go to Motel 6 for a week. And you would be writhing in pain, dehydrated. Yeah, bad flu symptoms, sure. Well, again, we don't, bad flu. As long as I was going to be okay, I think she'd, she'd say that's fine. But she wouldn't think, you know, the bad flu, if that's the way you want to represent it. And that gets political, but okay. Yeah. Is, is it something where it'd be something that wouldn't, the same rationale, it's no big deal, be the case with Johnny? So she'd rather you feel massive pain than him have even a chance of pain. Yes. All right. I can see, I can see why you got together. You know, one more question on on, on this game, RJ. I want to ask you. Yeah. Kansas City's playing Oakland. Uh, Oakland playing the Raiders the following week. Now, normally that would be no big deal, but Casey only has one loss all year long, mm. and that was against okay. the Raiders. I like that. So actually. because of that, I think this is the rare case where we do have that look ahead. Mm-hmm. That's good, Mackenzie. You got a note up here about nickname. Why don't you say it yourself? Well, I was wondering if it's best to use C-Mac or my favorite, Run CMC for Christian McCaffrey. What? Oh, so I, I'm I thought, out on the hip nicknames. Yeah. I thought this was you saying he was mispronouncing or misusing it. You're saying you have a better nickname. Well, I've actually never heard C-Mac. I've only heard Run CMC. They're both, you know. Oh, so that's the point I'm trying to say then. Wouldn't the lead story be Fez is wrong about the nickname <laughs> versus you liking Run CMC? I, I don't want to put them out like that. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I know, yeah. So then why would I go to you? <laughs> pretty, pretty, ju- just to uh, uh, exacerbate no, the conflict. You're right, no, exactly, but you, but you failed to do it. <laughs> you know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be better, better, better man, I, a little I, introspection. I'm turning off the producer mic for 10 minutes. Say something. Yeah, nothing. Can't hear him, can you? No. It's like he doesn't exist. He could disappear. No one would know. Mackenzie could be in a ditch for weeks. No one would know. Bye, bye. <laughs> that's that's pretty mean. All right. So I think I like this one is still in the mix. Next game of the RJ four pack. And let's not lock me into any of these as picks yet. Um, let's think about it. Chargers. Now, what I hate about it is this pick them against the Raiders. You know, I don't even know about this game. The thing that Lombardi says about the Raiders is that if you let, if, if, if the Raiders are able to play 26 minutes of defense, so the theory is they got to control the ball, that they don't have a defense that can play for 30, 32, 34 minutes, and the Browns let them control the ball. Usually it's coaching, right? Belichick was able to control the ball against them and wore down the, uh, the Raiders' D. 
I mean, we don't want Anthony Lynn to be matching wits with Gruden, do we? <laughs> no. Good point. Plus, who knows what – they just – remember, we talked about this a bunch on SOV. They let go of a really good PFF – this King dude. Uh, PFF loves this. He's a darling. A D-back that was traded to Tennessee. Tennessee. And I don't know if it will affect this game, but I think it might affect team morale. If you have a horrible loss – You've had, what, four straight games that they had a 16-point lead, and, and at some point in that game, they were then down after. Yes. And they lost some of those, including the last the one. Four, yeah. By the way, we had, I mean, we had the Chargers. That was a tough one. We didn't have to go back to the Browns' bad beat. We could have just went to that one, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not liking this game. So let's finish it, but I'm off it. Isn't their starting center out, the Chargers, COVID? Wasn't he one of the COVIDs this week? No, no. Ryan Groy. Oh, Mackenzie can't answer. He can put it up on the screen, Mackenzie. Yeah, put it up on the screen. Go ahead. It'll come up in a second. He he types low. Well, you got else on this game, Fez. We'll look at the center. Just what that if- the Raiders was th- that was usually impressive that they were able to go into Cleveland and just ground and pound Cleveland, beat Cleveland at its game in bad conditions. Raiders got over 200 yards rushing, Cleveland only 100. So nothing fluky at all about that tough physical win for the Raiders. I will say this as far as my second point in this game. Well, yeah, get them all out <laughs> without taking a breath. Go ahead. This is the one game that no fans greatly benefits the home team because the Raiders have such a fan base in Southern California that they would absolutely take over the stadium. because he steals everyone's points and he's afraid someone's going to steal his point? I don't know. Is that what it is? Like you, It's like if someone's a thief in, in the gym, you know, like pe- getting in people's lockers and taking the wallet, they are going to make sure their locker's always locked, right? Mm. He's, I mean, on the radio today, it was truly one of the great <laughs> moments in the history. Matt came in. He sits in on the first hour of the show on Wednesday, or the hour of the show on Wednesday. He's strong, but he's not one to over-talk. And some weeks he's super prepared. Other weeks you're not ready yet, though you get ready, obviously, by the end of the week because you know your stuff. He, Guys, I'm not real prepared today. I'll jump in wherever. I say, no problem. So before the last segment, we're going to do the uh, – it was the Ravens game, right, against the Colts. Right. And – Matt, he goes, hey, I got something. Uh, Colts run defense, he says, like that loud. And Fez is, what, six feet away from him. We go to the game. I'm like, Steve Fezzik. He goes, you got to start with the Colts run. <laughs> I mean, I could, I stopped the show. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, it, was, it was a classic for sure. We could ask Mackenzie what he thought, but his mic's up. Mackenzie, tell us what you thought. Yeah. <laughs> You hear it through the wall. Do you have that info up yet? I can't hear you. Just say yes or no on the thing. All right. Continue, Steve. So, great great point because I was going to make it, but I don't want you to hold back, but you don't have to say like 20 points in a row, but yes. And I also think this. Vegas gets a lot of transient people from San Diego coming in for weekends, they move here, get out, you know, California taxes is something people, a lot of people object to, is I think this is almost like a change. You know how, like, Ohio State doesn't want to lose, like, like uh, Alabama doesn't want to lose to Auburn because it's recruiting within the state of Alabama, right? Sure. I feel like the Raiders are, might be thinking, hey, 
if we win here for business, we might get more people, you know, Chargers fans just convert. No, I mean, it feels kind of competitive to me. They used to be in L.A., so it's not only the fans, but it's like we want to show you that we still own L.A., even more than you own it, you know, interlopers from San Diego. And then San Diego and Vegas has something. It just feels very incestuous, which means the stakes go up. Yeah, yeah, I love that point. Not to mention Division Two. yes. I love that point because the Raiders are like, we. it's true, we own Southern California. That's where the, there may not be any fans in the stadium, but this is, this is our city. You know, it's our area of the country, Southern California, Vegas, California, and no one's a Charger fan. The Chargers are losers. And it, it, there's wow. no way the Raiders aren't, are, are going to be flat for this game. Yeah, I think, and we're talking not about the fans affecting things. We're talking about the motivation. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That pick's gone. All right. Number three, we're going to go with, uh, oh, this was the favorite coming in, Washington. Now, Fez, I think Washington's clearly better than the Giants. The line's two and a half. Raiders game was picked. Line's two and a half. Hitman has a best bet on this game. Uh Uh-oh, this hurts me. Let's listen to this first. Hitman has a best bet. It hurts. Causing me to reconsider. Let's listen. Best bet, Giants plus three against Washington. I have these two teams rated equal, and with home field advantage only being worth one to one and a half this year, there's clear value on the Giants getting a field goal. Washington has the rest advantage as they're off a bye and the Giants played on Monday night, but that hasn't been much of an advantage in recent memory. Since 2003, teams in the Giants situation are 25-10-1 against the spread. Daniel Jones is 3-0 in his career against Washington, and the Giants are going to get pressure on Kyle Allen as Washington is last in the league in sack rate allowed offensively. Best bet, Giants plus the three. And we're back, so you just heard it. So, you know, when the hitman or Esler has a pick, what happens is we listen to it. Or sometimes if we don't, for whatever reason, the setup isn't there because of a computer issue or whatever. And that was the case today is we had McKenzie just read the analysis to us, like, you know, effectively what was said in the pick. And what you heard was the end of that and of Fezzik's amazing line. Fez, <laughs> you get it. You get when I, it's so funny how when he has something he wants to say, his mind goes blank. It's like he, he he's like a robot, and it's like this might be the strip sack bowl is what I say. He goes, no, this might be the sack bowl. <laughs> 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 I, you know, more specificity is better. So if it could be the strip sack bowl would be even better, right? Yes. So what made you think the sack bowl instead? You didn't get the connection between between strip sacks and sacks? <laughs> I was just thinking in terms of betting, the sacks is so prevalent in terms of a prop maybe bet. the over. Wouldn't you say there'd be a huge correlation between strip sacks and the over? You know, I'm not so sure. Really? So if you knew there were going to be four strip sacks, you'd be thinking – doesn't affect my total. Well, if there's going to be one strip sack and there's going to be like six sacks, it's going to kill the offense, though, you know? Oh, no, you make an interesting point. You're saying if you know there's going to be a ton of sacks, that hurts yeah. the offense. But in a vacuum, if you know there's four strip sacks and you don't know anything, but I guess there obviously is a correlation, like I was making the point. So there's no way to get at the strip sacks. Defensive or special teams touchdown plus 220. And now, is that how bad is that generally? 
it's fine. It's it's like plus two twenty lay. You know, minus two fifty. There's not a ton of egg in that. But I'm problem. not talking about the straddle, though. That's part of it. What about uh, just the general? You know how three scores goes. Sometimes they'll skew that straddle, where this they, they bait the they make the squ- uh, the public pay all the vig effectively, mm. right? They make the other one break. You know, do you off the any- top of my head, when I bet these, I'm betting the pluses, not the minuses. Which seems wrong because isn't that what the public wants? They want to bet a little to win yes. a lot. So you're betting the same side as the public? Yes. Why? Because. Because you're square. The NFL has changed. Teams take more risks now. Teams go crazy. They go for it on fourth down. They take more risks with like um, their play calling and the like. In the in the old NFL, quarterbacks would throw the ball out of bounds even on fourth down, and now they're more willing to take those chances, and that leads to these crazy plays. Just a little theme music for you. Go ahead, finish up. I was. <laughs> For a split second, I thought I was going to get the dream music, and I got the square <laughs> you know what's fun? You know what's funny? You made a good point, but just where you're going with the size. All right, so what you're saying is, in a way, the duct tape shoe guys would call you square. Yes. But really, the truth is, it's not square. Yes. It's like when you laid the the, the 37 points with Kansas City, you were being sharp. <laughs> right. That was one of his seven. That was one of his winners. Oh, McKenzie, he's trying so hard to get his mic back on, is return TDs in 2020. So 29 return TDs in 119 games. So it's 0.25 per game. Okay. Mm. So let's think about that. So I'd say plus 300 is the number. Yeah. And if anything, you think there'd be more. Well, I guess the holding, them allowing holding probably went down a little bit, but still. And you're saying it, it pays plus 220? 220, yeah. So that's, and, and that's, and that's pretty aggressive. A lot of books are like minus 220, minus 240, plus 190, plus 180. Because they want it, because they know the pl- players are taking plus yeah. money. With Fez. Yeah. But it's, uh, if you went through every game. They don't know it's sharp, but it's actually sharp. Yeah, if you go through every game, I bet the average, and not at your most fantasized outs, but at the average book across every place, I think in the NFL, it's like no minus 240 or no minus 230, yes, plus 190. I, I would agree with you in the past, but I've noticed he's gotten higher, and I think that's you because. You think they're the, all higher? Yeah, and I think this just explains this year, it. Though? Yeah, just this year, but I think this explains. You all know, right, the, McKenzie, your mic's back data. on. What Last year's. Last year's uh, number on this place. Sure, just give me one second. Oh, look how efficient. He's like all into it. Like, I'm doing my job, baby. Just my job. All right. We'll think on that. I don't think so. Anything else, Fess? I'm not, I don't go against, listen, I don't go against the translucent one. Just the, I don't think revenge really matters at all in the NFL, but these teams played so recently, just uh, two games ago for Washington, 19 to 20, Washington lost to the Giants. So, you know, why why do you lead with something you say is irrelevant? Because I think very recent revenge is relevant. So then why not say you like that angle? Why talk about you don't care? You know what I don't care about? Let me explain it to you. No. I, I think when you've played a team just two weeks ago and now you play them yeah. again, so then then say ma- that, say that it matters. Typically, here's the way. Uh-huh. Right. Typically, I'm not a big fan of revenge. It's not a big factor to me. But there is a time, I think it is. And this is one of them. Let me explain. Now, all of a sudden, you want to hear that, don't you? Yes. Not someone saying, you know, I'm going to tell you something here. It's full of shit, but uh, I'm still <laughs> going to take some time with it. <laughs> See? Yeah, I got it. 
You know, you've only been doing this eight years. I think you'll catch on at some point. And, and an You're going to get better at it. And an example would be like the Carolina-Atlanta game. That Carolina won in Atlanta, and then they played not very much further down the road, and then Atlanta returned the favor and won at but Carolina. But the Giants are used to – don't you think revenge usually applies to teams that win ever? Like, like if, you, if all you do is lose, it's kind of hard yeah. to be mad at losing, right? Yeah, and the Giants did just get – a really strange final score where they lost by two against Tampa. But on that final drive, the Giants were like 15% tops to score. Oh, why does that the, matter? Because they made the final score look so close against Tampa that people right, are like, they wow. They like, look so close. It made it where they should have went to overtime or they could have yeah. went to overtime. Yeah. So the final score looked complimentary to the Giants. Except they scored. Mm-hmm. And they didn't win. So the 85% was right, but the close score was right. Like, why, if anything, I mean – I would make the following case. Being able to drive down the field and score when the score could tie the game is the ultimate high leverage and also high difficulty situation. It's not like they weren't prevent defense. One score could have sent the game to overtime. Why do you dismiss that score? It makes no sense. Because on fourth down, the Giants were, I'm like, oh, they're dead. They're no, there's no way they're going to pick this up. And Daniel Jones threw up, a, no way. He threw up a duck and somehow it was completed. So it you're, was, you're literally critiquing individual plays now in the arc of the pass. Like, that pass does not have an yes. optimal arc. No, no, no. I'm making fun of you. It is, it's ludicrous. By the way, Scott Pioli on CBS, headquarters, I think they call it, this is what he said about why the referees conjugated, I think I congregated. Around congregated. Conjugated is a very different thing. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. But when someone cracks himself before you have a chance, you probably don't want to then ridicule him. Oh, he almost said the rub. This dude's a critic. I can see why a lot of people are critical of him at work. They say he's too hard. RJ's word choices and usage are impeccable. No, they're not. But I try to catch him when I make a mistake. But I thanks for the support, bud. Here comes... (laughs) Hi, Oli. Oh, in terms of the call and the flag being picked up, that wasn't the huddle and the conversation amongst the group on the field. I'm telling you, that call had to come from outside of the field, and someone told them they better pick up that flag because they watched the replay and they saw it and they made the call. That's not the rule that they do that, but that's too big of a play in New York, national television. They wanted to get it right. Boy, that's interesting, Matt. They're saying literally they used in a way the replay in an illicit way, in a way that they're not supposed to, mm. and it's just based upon, oh, it's a big game, or, oh, maybe they want Tom Brady to look good. Who knows? I don't know. It's kind of daunting to think since you're trying to stop the, you know, faulty integrity, what do you think of that? Not good. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't want to yeah. comment on the NFL. And the, but, you know, Pio- but yeah, no doubt. But Pioli is, I think he's Bill Belichick's uh, son-in-law, if I'm not mistaken. Look that up, please, McKenzie. Oh, by the way, we got our numbers here, 0. 0.31 per game. So, Fezza, uh, let's think about that, 0. 0.31. So it was more common last year yeah, than no, this year. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying point three one's more than point two five. Yes, I agree with that. But the corresponding money line there would be what? You want to do your calculation? Oh, the advocates, baby. He's hold got, on, hold on. He's got it out. Here it comes. It takes him a while. You're good with that calculator. 
I thought you were getting a new ca- minus 225. All right. So what we're saying is historically those numbers are about right. Mm-hmm. I thought you were getting a new calculator. So, no, I'm getting used to using this one. Is, that that was just you getting used to it? No, I grabbed my phone because I didn't see where my calculator was. But, oh, you weren't But I'm going to punch it in here just to good practice, reps. Yeah. You want us to wait? No. Can the show continue? Thank you. You know, I mean, it wouldn't make a ton of sense to necessarily get one of the calculators like I got. Right. That, But what would that – is that – let me ask you a question. Is it the $12? Like, so how much better do you think my calculator is than yours for the easy, simple calculations you're going to do? Yours is twice as good. Okay. So how much did yours cost? My wife bought it. Nothing. So you said this is my job. I'm going to let my wife – now, has she done much media? None. And has she done a lot of, like, trading or anything where, like, quick, like, getting things quick or important? But you said – you didn't say big buttons? No. Like, wouldn't that be – like, that's like a portable calculator. Did you ever think it's not going anywhere? Like, no. How much would you pay for that? <clears throat> $20. So you're saying that for $21, you'd say, no, thank you. I'll keep the little tiny calculator. How much would you pay? This is better for purposes. I will get one of these along with my abacus. <laughs> no, I just, it's just, it's weird to me when people, and I think it's like this with all office workers. And Matt, you've been around a lot of offices and maybe because you've been around some really successful people at Cantor. Uh, Leah Matus, obviously, you talked about him last week. It seems like people in an office don't care what pens they use, pencils, calculators, like it's all whatever. But they have, like, they spend all this time figuring out which golf clubs to buy. Like, they got the special ball that goes an extra five. But, like, the, their tools of their trade, which are, you know, computer, they don't seem to care. Like, how much time have you spent content- I think it's maybe the opposite. With who? Like, the people that actually do work in an office every day end up having those things, calculators and stapler. Like, the stapler in my office, you know, if I go in and... I don't have one in my office, but if I but go it, into one of my analysts my and grab it, yeah, then they go crazy. Like they're all pretty, but then detailed why... about what kind of stuff they have. Ah. They have nice staplers and the nice tape holders, and I, you know, I could care less. But so you're saying you are what I'm talking about, but your employees are better. Yeah. So don't don't you think? Hey, I got the staple. I might as well have a stapler here. Or you figure you got bigger things to worry about. I got bigger things to worry about. That's always the paradox because the great people like me, Bel- oh wait, no, Belichick, et cetera, they all are about precision and detail. How did I live without my manifest? I don't know, but I know it would, you wouldn't have, I know if I took it today, a year from now, you wouldn't have another one there. Hmm, that's a good question. How long would it take you to find one of those? It would take you months. Yeah. It's, I've never seen one before. Exactly. That's the difference between me and you. Well, um, I wouldn't. I'd elaborate on better, that. You got better hair. That for yeah, sure. That, maybe. Yeah. I'm off Washington. All right. Mm-hmm. So you're off all of them. No, we go. No, 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 no. I still like the Panthers. Oh. All right. And I got one more left. Monday Night Football. Patriots. Oh yeah, I thought we did that one because you said it we first, started. But we it, never we did. did. Yeah. Into the, uh, at New York, Jets. Seven or Jets plus seven. Mackenzie. Oh, 
Pioli is the son-in-law of Bill Parcells. So pretty close. Think about that. Think about Bill at, at, at Thanksgiving dinner. You better know your football. <laughs> All right, Fez, what you got on this game? Well, I talk about the Jets having absolutely no heart, not trying to even score to cover against Kansas City. That's not a team I want to back as a seven-point underdog because I could easily see that happening again when they're down 10 or 13 at the end Does of the Monday game. Does Monday Night Football change anything? You know what? I don't think so because the fact that they were like playing the Chiefs or playing the Super Bowl champions and they're like, we just want to get off the field, you think they'd be jazzed up for that game for 60 Plus, you minutes. you think he'd be smart enough to realize – Here's the story I've told once. It's a quick one. Is my best buddy was a scholarship punter for Kansas State between 88 and he had a 50 or so, 93, I guess. And well, it'd be the 92 season. And Barry Switzer was the coach of Oklahoma, if I recall. And Oklahoma was like laying 40 to them. Remember, Kansas State was horrible. Hmm. And Oklahoma went up 55 or maybe 53 and took their starters out. Their starters were all out in, like, middle of the third quarter. They stayed out the entire almost game. They were literally, this is old school, they had their shoulder pads off, had the cutoff shirts that were and talking to cheerleaders, like, literally. And then somehow Kansas State got, like, two quick scores, and they, and they were covering. No lie. There's, like, four minutes left. <laughs> Switzer puts his starters back in. Runs the option all the way down the field, which they were running at the time. Scores, that's in, in the game's over, the cover. They care. Like, college teams know the lums bet the games. I'm not saying switch out any money on Oklahoma. He knows the people that pay the, for the team do. You don't think the Jets would have been, if anyone had bet them in New York, don't you think the New York's happier if they cover the spread? Yeah. And he's in, happier. Huh? Certainly happier if you cover the spread. And, and he's indifferent to that, the coach? <laughs> What's your position on... Oh, wait. I did the flipper instead of... That's... Listen, I don't want to cast aspersions. Sam Darnold's not a flipper. My name is Casper. How'd he look? Horrible. His body chemistry looked bad. Did not seem like the there was a connection with uh, him and, and his receivers. Mr. Uh, receiver would run an out pattern. He'd throw it in. You know, so miscommunications with Darnold. He, does he look worse than he did in his rookie year? Yes. He looks as oh, bad yeah. as he's ever looked. As worse than he did. How about he started last year pretty good, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah, he was decent. He was decent. You know, yeah. by process of elimination – it was when he got mono. He hasn't been the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mono sticks to the end. It, life. You know, there was one play also with the Jets. Kansas City had a fourth and four at midfield, and the announcer even said, wow, good spot for a fake punt here. <laughs> and Kansas City ran a fake punt, and the guy was wide open by 15 yards. So that's on the coaching staff across the board that the Jets well, just – so much infighting. Yeah. I mean, they know they're not going to be back. And – you know, the, the, the bounty guy, what's his name? Gray Williams? The D.C.? Oh, Greg Williams. Williams. Yeah. 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 I say the D.C.'s name, Greg Williams, and Steve <laughs> looks at me like I'm from another planet. <laughs> you know the D.C., right? Yeah. Greg Williams. The guy with the funky glasses. Greg I know Williams, him. yeah. yeah. G, his first G, I think he has two Gs at the end, doesn't he? <laughs> I don't know. 
What's your take on this game? You know, it's so rare in today's NFL with all, you know, the different stat lines and stuff to come across the team that is literally ranked 32 in everything, like every kind of offensive statistical category you could find. But that's the New York Jets. And when's the last time we saw a team in this era of football average 11 points a game? I mean, this is unbelievably unprecedented, horrific football. Um, and the line feels pretty light at seven. We talked about it last week when we were going through the look-aheads. I thought it was eight and a half. Fez thought it's mm, nine. It came seven. I thought, wow. And it's not moving. It's kind of been stuck there all week. Uh, I'll be interesting to see where this one ends up. I, I, I'm hard-pressed to believe it closes seven. I think but, this one closes eight and a half. But even before the any potential steam on Monday, because, you know, moves happen on Monday. or Like, Tampa got steamed. No, it'll be a Monday move. You think so? Yeah. No, RJ, you mentioned this game has a, you believe, a low variance. So it's got a low total. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do we not tease New England here? The only concern would be New England possible dream crusher at two and five. But I don't see New England not showing up for a Monday night game against First the First of all, there is no such thing as a dream crusher with Balachek. Exactly. It's not yeah. going to be that. Yeah. Um. And the fact that he got some heat for making excuses seemingly this week is just going to – here's what I know. This is going to be a rare thing, and maybe – I know people think of Corlea Parlays as dog and under and all that shit. I, to me, those are so boring. I'm talking about the game play. Like, you expect this, and it's going to result in this. I really like um, – in fact, what I would bet here, and I'm going to bet it massive – and I don't say that often. I want to play Jets team total under. Yeah. I have no idea. New England might win this game 6 nothing, But I know, and we got the stats on it. It's going to be like 16 and a half. Math says 17 and a half. 25 to 17 and a half is the math. So is that up right now? It wouldn't be up yet, no. Team totals when they come up? Probably Saturday night. Team totals not until Saturday night? Yeah. Why would that be? It's like you can bet. A lot the of the derivative markets don't come up till at the bare minimum Friday. But I think we got to come up with a different word. Derivative as in like props, which are like it's about the game, but it's not a, a correlation to like side. To it's like in general, you know what, you know, we know what the imputed. So what's the total right now? 43? 42 and a half. All right. Let's say 43. So it's 24 and a half, 17 and a half. Okay. So what do, why do they have to wait till Saturday night to put up a number? I get letting the market settle maybe till Thursday or something. Just because they, they, they don't want to have to watch the weather and then totals drop three points and people pick them off on the team total. I'll tell you why. All right, thank Yeah, Steve, will let, don't let the billion-dollar bookmaker. Yeah, I mean. I, yeah, you, you keep going. The, the whole reason why we why people don't put those up early in the week is because a lot of those markets are correlated. So, the problem with a team totals market is it is correlated. If the total goes up, the team totals mm -hmm. go up. And what happens is you get a lot of mistakes. So uh, a weather game hits. Oh, my goodness, it's going to be a blizzard. We have to drop all the totals. And they go through and they drop the total, the first half total, and the first quarter, and they forget the team total. Yeah. So it really, happens all the time. Everyone's thinking right now, that's what Steve said. What? That's exactly what he was saying, though. No, but I think what Maddie's saying is oh. it, 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 oh. it, go ahead. It's it's also there can be an overcorrection like oh let's drop all the no, team no, totals and then the weather that. goes the, no, what happened? Oh, okay. yeah because it's not automated exactly. well and some yeah. of it's just a time it's not just hey we're going to make a mistake it's the amount of time it takes a human being to have to go through 
that many times early in the week when you know when you're going to get the most movement. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying the time it takes to, because you're monitoring the reason for adjustment for the game. And you're saying the act of making the adjustments, there's a chance of making a mistake and missing one. And also there's a lot of time to do that. Yeah. That, you have to give these guys a day off during the week. So everyone works on the weekend. So you're fully staffed. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. you're prepared to handle it. But so you give them Tuesday and Wednesday off, but the lines start moving like crazy, especially the total, the totals on Wednesday because the the limits go up, and then you can't. These guys, you know, there's just not enough staff to there to start moving every market. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting point. And and by the way, the fact that you said the same thing as him, I wasn't. I'm being critical of. It was just funny the way I you go. Listen the, way, the way you go. Oh, let me explain. <laughs> it's kind of. But you're into. I listen. To me, when you say the same thing as Steve, it reinforces Steve knows yeah. his stuff, but also we're certain that we're right because of your experience, right? Steve spent, what was it, four months in Panama <laughs> singing Van Halen and working for Pinnacle and Henry, but that's a hell of a, listen, if Henry's bringing you down to work with him, that's a hell of a compliment, and I say that sincerely, Steve. But your bookmaking time there, you were consulting, whatever, was, is much limited to Matt, who did it for a, over a decade, right? How yeah. long were you there? Yeah, a little over a decade. All right. Darnold had two games versus the Pats. They've been outscored by 34 points to in total. Or is that per game? Straight up margin. Jesus. Is that right? The average margin has been 34? Yep. Wow. Against the spread by 22 in the over-under by seven. Oh, there we go. That's great. He's taking a picture so he can steal it. Um, <laughs> the Jets have scored a total of three points in two games. <laughs> I think that would support your team total under. But to keep going, you know, it's almost like with Maddie, it's like we're shooting him with sodium pentothal. It's like we want the truth. We're going to get him so tired. <laughs> so now we're going to go back. And so my official pick is the Patriots. We're going to go back and talk about you guys' double likes. And we actually have two additional ones other than the double like on the Colts, which was Fez's best bet. First off, the Bills, three-point underdogs at home against Seattle. This seems rich. Maddie, you're the Bills guy. You start. Yeah, I mean, this line, first of all, the line's been 2.75 throughout the majority of the weeks. So already, at three, we're getting value. Yeah, already. And I think it, it has a pretty good chance at closing less than three here. Um, and we're starting to get a little bit healthier here on the Buffalo Bills. And and let's face it, the only two games they lost came in that stretch where they had that terrible scheduling conflict with Tennessee and Kansas City. They dropped both of those games in that scenario where the schedules got all jammed up um, and then had a down game, a slightly flat spot against the Jets in the, in the fact that they didn't score touchdowns, but they blew the Jets away in the stats and and then they came back and, and got it done against the Patriots last week this, in a game that they had to win. Um, I think this is a pretty good spot for Buffalo now. They're starting, you know, Miami's on their tail, so they're still motivated that they have to keep winning for the division. Seattle coming all the way across the country, west to east early again after two straight big divisional showdowns. If anyone's due for a letdown spot here, could be Seattle. I think the Bills are probably the right side. That's interesting. So you're saying the week before San Francisco, Seattle was in Miami? Arizona. At oh. Arizona. And oh, Arizona beat Overtime game. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. So that was the – they had. They, it wasn't massive travel. But remember, that was the 1,000-mile one we were looking at, right? So it was 1,000 miles for Seattle, back home, a war against 
Well, not well. I guess they came back, but a tough rivalry game against San Fran, and now across the country again. And they have the Rams on one o'clock start after this game. So this oh, is a true division sandwich. sandwich, yeah. And they're laying, th- yeah. Boy, what's the total on this game? Fifty-five. I mean, it's it's funny. You you would go a whole season without a fifth, even a fifty. Right, some seasons. Certainly in the nineties, there wasn't a bunch of fifties out. You know, I think in nineteen ninety-three, the average—I'm not certain, but it, like thirty-sevens were like commonplace. Well, everywhere. thirty-seven was the key number. Yeah, forty-four was the high. The only key number—I didn't know any key numbers about forty-four back then because because it, they wouldn't deal. Yeah, yeah, forty-four was like, oh man, that's forty-four. Forget that. Right, and it's a different game. All right, Fez, what you got? Yeah, so I'm on Buffalo as well for the, the sandwich spot. And I do think, Matt, you bring up a great point. The, uh, that whole Tuesday, Monday, Sunday dynamic, th- I think that really threw Buffalo off. They have to play a Tuesday game and then only six days before they played Kansas City and they don't cover. And then only six days off before the Jets. And they should have covered against that Jets. And I think that really has this team undervalued because those are three straight games they didn't cover in a row where they didn't um, – be able to put their best foot forward because of that. I think Buffalo a little bit undervalued. I like the bills. But this is when your five best picks is, is it, so is it just a matter of Seattle's overvalued or overrated and the bills underrated? Is it a pure value play? It's a situational spot against Seattle. And it, which is what? Same thing as Matty said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I've heard, I just think it could it be deceiving that the Bills play two really, if we call New England's offense currently bad, and I think that's fair, is it maybe a bad, you know, we know the Jets are bad on offense. Is it possibly that we're thinking Seattle or Buffalo's defense is better, but it's the two teams they played? Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Speaking of the total, Dave Esler, Diamond Dave, Uncle Dave, some calm, but he wins like Diamond Dave. He's got the total on this game. Let's listen. Three, two, one. I can't wait for COVID to be over to get the diamond one out here. (laughs) Maybe him and the hitman at the same time. They both don't have an ounce of fat on them. I I bet they both have body fat below 8%. Yeah. Hmm. Goes to show you, thin isn't always good. I mean, when you're translucent, not good. What causes that? I'm talking about the hitman now. What makes your skin see-through? Imagine not getting enough sun. (laughs) I I mean, he might wrap up in one of those suits like you do with COVID to go into the make your bed. He he tells me he golfs. No, he's talking about video games. No, he sent me a picture. He He sent me a picture. You know, Matt, when he comes out, we got to get you to meet him because what you're going to say that he does it. Was he on the golf course? Yeah. And how does, could you see it through his skin? He, he says he shoots like 110. He says he's the worst golfer. Which on the means course. he's out there a long time. Yeah. Then why would he, isn't it interesting? I've been calling him the translucent one for a while. Did, when did he send you this picture? Just like the last week. Yeah. He's yeah. trying to show that he's, I don't know. He's trying to say, I don't want that branding. Mm. I don't know. I think it's going to stick. The other double like, oh, the noodle arm, Maddie Holt. You've come around on the noodle arm. You want to apologize to me publicly? Did I ever call him noodle arm? No, you kept saying how bad Drew Brees was. I said, I don't know. The numbers say. Did you go, did you see him try to throw that out pattern? 
Say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he needs. I'm not a scout like you guys. I just look at stats. What you got in this game, though? I think the defense here for the New Orleans is what's most overrated. I mean, uh, underrated. Everyone talks about Tampa Bay's defense. So you think it's underrated? Now? Yes. Because it's the season. Let's, I, let's agree. For a long time, the Saints' defense has been discussed as a real disappointment. But you're saying after people recalibrated, they've gotten better. I think they have gotten better, and I think they've played better as the season's gone on. And one of the interesting stats is that in terms of points per game allowed, they're still only 23rd in the league. But in terms of opponents' yards per game allowed, they're number 8th in the NFL. So this is a defense that certainly has outperformed the amount of points that it has allowed all season long. And I think at the end of the day here, we're going to have some new pieces, not necessarily some new pieces, but you're going to have to – fit Brown in somehow in the dynamic of this offense, Godwin coming back. You have a lot of guys that expect the football. Who's exactly going to play which situation here? Who's going to play the slot? Who's going to be the speed? Um, That doesn't always work itself out in one week, and I'm not sure it'll work itself out in this week. I think these two teams are really close to even, and at the end of the day, at four and a half, I think it's just a little bit rich. So... Four and a half bucks favored. We talked about this on SOV. The line was about four when the Saints with no fans was home week one. And now it's flipped to four and a half the other way with home field. Let's just say because it was a dome, it's two. I mean, let's just give them a little edge because I think that's fair, actually. I think domes Mm -hmm. matter, sight lines and all that stuff. So now they were saying that the Saints were two points better. Now they're saying... The Bucks, who don't have a great home field, are what? At least three points better. So three or been, three and a half? Yeah, there's been a five yeah. to five and a half point net adjustment. What's your power rating say? Two points different on a neutral. No, but what I'm saying so is I want to know. Three Bay. and a half Tampa Bay would be, though, my number. All right. So using value Saints, how much have you adjusted Tampa throughout the year? Take a look. Up three points. So I've made a big adjustment. And I still all, you haven't, haven't there. You haven't made a big adjustment. Mm. It's not even close to enough. You are way too low on Tampa. But go ahead. Three, and what's the Saints adjustment? So Saints, I've lowered two points since the start of the year. So you're right on with the five. Right? Yeah, but, but my power rating still, like I said, only have yeah. these teams two points apart. Talking so. about a different thing, though. Yes, yes. Okay. So... You're right on with the market about how the teams have gone up and down, but you could have started high. You know, it sounds like you started out higher on the Saints than yes. the market, let's say, or whatever. Yep. All right. A.B., let's talk about this in two ways. One is for this week. You made a good point. Maybe it's disruptive. Maybe it's, hey, we're going to get some throws in. It might not be great, but we got to get rap. You know, get them rap. Who knows, right? Do you, Fez, do you think it's a de- – like, if A.B. was next week and not this week, would it be better for Tampa, or is it better to have him this week? I don't know if it matters this week. So it's about net neutral. I think net neutral. If Godwin wasn't coming back, I would have said positive. And we've got confirmed he's back? I believe he's the, well, that's I the know, expectation. As of yesterday, they said it's going to be a game-time decision, mm-hmm. I thought. Mackenzie, you want to look that up? Yeah, I was looking at that earlier today. They said uh, he practiced today, but he's still questionable. All right, but he did practice. Okay. Yes. Full participation? He was limited. Okay, so that means he could have walked out and waved. <laughs> Rode the bike, Took yeah. a picture, sent it to Fez to show he's getting sun and it's went back. Finger and... injury. Yeah. Which it's would... football and it's a finger injury. Well, if you had to catch the football. Yeah. What are you trying to say? They're not tough enough, no, the no. NFL players, Matt? 
Bruce Arians said, and this doesn't tell us much, 10 to 35 plays is what's expected. So he, I'm going to eat dinner between 3.30 and 9. Hmm. Just a little tip. <laughs> All right. Um, A.B. long-term, Fez, me and you are really in a different place on this one. You think, and you said this on national radio, so don't lie. You said, ah, I don't think it means anything. Just because Tampa Bay's ah. wide receivers are so strong. Evans, Godwin, and Scotty Miller, Brady has a great rapport with right now. So he's got three good wide receivers right now. Really good name? wide receivers. Scotty Miller. So, like, if you looked on ESPN, it says Scotty Miller. It doesn't say Scott Miller? No, it's, I think it's Scotty. Okay. Yeah. Is anyone named Scotty, or is that becomes their nickname? I like Matty Holt. Have a feeling it's his name. Mm. All right, guys. So normally, I just thought he was using another nickname. Is all. I think in this case, it's actually his name. I mean, and you got Gronk, so you got four good receivers already. So, is Gronk a good receiver when they he runs like six patterns a game? Because it's Scotty with a Y. Mm. Here's what I would bet you. I would bet you on his birth certificate it doesn't say Scotty. And I'm not sure we could even find out. <laughs> but well, that's what I mean. It's funny. The NFL will, you know, like you think about it. There's a lot like Magic Johnson's name's not Magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? So, sure. but good. I don't think. So, I can't think of another team that has so many good receivers already. And now. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. Wrong. Hmm. Here's why. Matt, you can grade this one. There's certain positions that there's redundancies. And the analogy would be how many or the criteria or criterion would be how many do you need? You need one quarterback. Having Joe Montana and Steve Young. Now, it's nice to have a backup. It creates redundancy. It, it makes it where it's low risk if someone gets injured. But you only play one quarterback at a time. You have two running backs maybe at a time that matter. How many receivers matter? Steve? Well, ideally you have three. Or even four. You, it, yeah. But, but the third really matters. Mm -hmm. So now what you're saying is literally this is a starter. A.B. is a starter. It's not a backup. He's not Le'Veon Bell. So now the question is where's the weakness? Because we know that most teams have, at least good teams, have a good cover corner. One at least. Mm -hmm. And thus good coaches, any coach, can double team. So isn't the third guy the most important guy? Because Unless, he gets the weak cornerback. That's, the, that's where the weakness, think about that for a second. I mean, it's just like in the NBA, right? Is if you just have, they do, they can stop the one post, mm. but sometimes things are redundant and sometimes they actually exploit, they create exploitable matchups. And maybe that's why Scotty Miller's having such a good year because everyone's paying attention to Evans. Imagine and, what AB's going to yeah, do in that spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's going to get the catches, but I know him being on the field. They're going to be saying, maybe we should double A-B. I mean, is this – is this? The, I don't know who the third-best receiver is here, but aren't they the third-best receiver maybe in NFL history on a team? Yes, if A-B plays at his level, absolutely. Not even close. Well, you th do you agree with me that third receiver really matters? Uh, let me ask you more generally. How big do you think A-B is? First of all, at 32 years old, receivers post 30, it, history has said it's not great. So I'm not saying that now, he's the fact not, he's effectively missed a year and a half now, does that help him or hurt him? Because on one, he hasn't taken the hits. He hasn't. I don't know. But I'm just saying history isn't on his side. 32-year-old receivers 
don't normally start to because you know don't have great years. But if AB's even eighty five percent of what he was, he's still one of the best. You know, fifteen receivers in the league. Sure, but sometimes also what part of what makes a receiver great is getting into a system that fits him that can get him the football. And now Lombardi, Mike Lombardi said that AB really is built for the slot. And especially as he's gotten a little old, let's say he's slow. He's an Edelman type that just yeah, he's would, only five ten. He's the same height as Edelman. Okay, that's interesting. But let's be candid. In Pittsburgh, a lot of long balls. I mean, and again, he was so good he could do it. But maybe his uh, drop off in physical skills would prevent him from playing that style. But they got the outside guys, right? So, it, it, I, do you doubt that he's physical like where Edelman was two years ago? Versus AB now, wouldn't you say that odds are we're only speculating, but odds are AB's probably at least a physical specimen that Edelman was a couple years ago when he was younger and better. Sure. So Edelman was fu- good inside, right? And do we really good? Yeah. And do we think AB has less skills than him because oh, AB's get, a great catcher? He's a AB like walks over Edelman. So I I think you're right. His skills could have dropped a lot, probably have, but for this role, maybe it's enough. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do is figure I'm not. But I also don't know that it's a dramatic increase to their offense, even if he fits into that offense and he catches three balls, three to four balls a game for 45 yards a game, and it helps free up Evans uh, and Godwin uh, for deeper balls. That's great. But the days of Antonio Brown coming in and catching 150 mm-hmm. yards, they're gone. But- and at 32, history says they're long gone. I agree. I just think. And the theory about the time off could hurt you is they say if you get out of shape, you know, so, again, he didn't get out of shape with a pot belly, but NFL, you know, I don't know. NFL receiver shape. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to come back, you know. I Here's what I know. Brady's going on a limb to get him. And there's no risk. Even if he doesn't well, work risk, out, they have There's risk to great... Brady's reputation. Because you could say he doesn't care about domestic this and that. And the guy's got some heat. You know, the guy's got a foul, as they say, on him. So, uh, if you let's just say this, I don't think a lot of girlfriends of guys that watch football are big fans of AB. Sure. Right. So, and Brady wants to be a business. Like TB12 supposedly is his goal. So he's saying, I think this guy's good enough that I'm going to take the reputational hit if he screws up again. He's mm-hmm. living in his house, right? Is that the story now? Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, he's staying with. Wow. Him. They're bunk bed bunk baddies. I mean. Brady's taking a big risk here, and I think it increases the chance that AB doesn't mess up because he he's gonna feel that. And I'll tell you this as a Steeler fan, and I I'm gonna admit this because there's probably tape on it. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Adelman was 32 when he won the MVP in 2018. Boy, Adelman's 34 now. Wow, I guess it looks like. Ooh, oh, that's a bad bet. Mackenzie puts up, we should make a bet. Who's going to have more yards, Scotty Miller or Antonio Brown? But they're mutually exclusive, right? So, you know. No, we did make that bet. That's oh. a bet we made. Yeah, it's already in, Mackenzie and I. Why did you? Oh, you two made it. Yeah. And you think it's Scotty Miller? Yeah. You, how much more you want? 100. <laughs> I'll take 100 from both of you, too, if you're willing to dish them out. I mean, I'm sure you guys are right, but I'll take. Hold on, so easy, Fez. <laughs> Uh, if you and McKenzie want an extra hundred, I'm willing to take Scotty Miller. I mean, stinky Scotty Miller as well. I got a question. 
why are you acting so weird right now? It's like you, I don't rat Fez out when he gets good bets, and he tried to jump <laughs> on me right away. So you think you have a really good bet? Oh yeah, I think I'm like I'm gonna smoke you guys if you give it to me. I'm done. But I mean, look, you guys thought you were gonna smoke me with Seattle, and I just held by my personal beliefs, and Seattle whipped them. You, you, us mentioning the win once wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you know what's funny? When I beat him. I purposely try not to do too much because I don't want to hurt his ego because he has a huge ego. But him, he's like, I'm going to mention it three times. I'm going to do on your green button. I just want, um, I just, because you guys said you want more, Fez, I want to take the more. I'm I'm trying to think about the bat. So here's the bat. Who will have more yards from now to the end of the year, Scotty Miller or Antonio Brown? Yeah. Okay. And we're talking about passing yards and reception. Receiving yards. Okay. Receiving yards. Yeah, passing yards and reception. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So Mackenzie, what's your thinking? Because I think you've got the obvious side. I would have thought it was right if Matt didn't act like he had five kings in his hand. If <laughs> 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 you're like, wait, there's not five kings? <laughs> Six queens. I thought it was a stupid bet because my theory is if Brown's getting time, it means Miller's not getting time because you can't put four. Now, the other thought would be what happens if these other two are injured, so that's the third receiver. I don't understand. And we're not counting the yards up to this point. Nope. Nope. So, McKenzie, what's your fear on this bat, McKenzie? I really I don't I don't have much fear on it. I mean, does I, it, it could worry lose. you? Does it worry you when a guy named the Vig is so anxious to book more? It does give me pause. I was it not expecting seem that. Like it. I was not expecting that. Faz, what's your thinking on it? Tampa Bay's number one receiver right now, Scotty Miller, with 400 yards. He's got more than Evans. He's got more than Godwin. Yeah, okay, Godwin's only played four games. Yeah. Eh, not much, though. Evans been in there most of the Evans year. played all eight games. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. In the slot, is, is, is Scotty Miller a slot receiver? I, I believe Godwin's the slot receiver most of the time. I don't know if, where, where they run Scotty Miller. Scotty will be the slot because he's five foot nine. He yeah, is yeah. the Tampa Bay ta- uh, Edelman. Edelman, okay. Yeah. But you know Edelman wouldn't be Edelman if it wasn't for Brady. Hey, well, maybe Scotty Miller wouldn't be Scotty. Did it, nobody ever heard of Scotty Miller? Now, unfortunately, Matt, I'm going to have to charge you a, they call this a towel tax. You have a towel, which is, scares me a little. I'm going to give you one chance and one chance only to give me a plus price and it's not going to be plus 110, no, plus 120, no. Give me the price where you still think you're getting a good bat. And I'll say yes or no immediately. But I think we should make it real bad if we're Plus going 150. To... Okay. You, your three, I mean, my three versus your two. Bet. Okay. All right. So explain to me the rationale at this point. We, our bet's in. Regardless, look, Godwin played four games. Uh-huh. Mike Evans played all eight games. Mm-hmm. Then people talk about him being hurt. This guy is Tom. First of okay. all, Tom Brady doesn't throw it deep all the time. He throws like the Tom. But, I, but I, I, you don't think Brown's going to be in the slot? I, I don't think Tom Brady's going to go oh, suddenly say, "Hey, this has worked so well. We're playing so okay. well. So, the guy yeah. I throw the ball to all the time. Hey, let's change everything up and not throw it to him all the time anymore." I'm going to put this up as a poll. Okay, I bet. This oh, is, your side will definitely win. That's a what poll. I'm saying. Huh. That, and I wasn't saying that is the answer. I'm saying it will show how this could be a really good bet if you're right, because I bet it's people are going to think because I'm asking the question, they're going to want to go with the. I'm going to have to think of how to ask it. But if it was just an honest answer, just sitting here talking, hey, who do you think is going to do better? 
I bet it's 80 20. Yeah, who's the little Scotty Miller? <laughs> little, 23 year old, his... five foot nine super receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is that is that his name, Little Scotty Miller? I don't think yeah, that is now. <laughs> All right, Fez. So that was your thinking? Yes. Okay. Look at Fez. I think the mistake you guys are making is, is I think he's going to take his snaps. That's what that, I think. That could happen. That's why I thought it was a bad bet. But I give you credit for giving me a nice price. Sure. Because if you would have came in at 110, I still might have wanted it, but I would have been offended at it. So thank you. All right. One more one more point on this game? Yes, quickly. Um, red zone proficiency. New Orleans has been unlucky. They've scored 62. Now, I haven't heard you use this before. Where'd you get this? Like, what do you mean well, you don't I, just wait, shrug? Like, you don't look at red zone proficiency. Well, you talked about field goals versus touchdowns. Yeah, which I love it. And I'm not saying if I'm and the influence of the problem, I just want to understand. Yeah, what, so, 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 so they put the light bulb on me. And I was like, yeah, I really like that. And red zone efficiency is very comparable. You're going to get very similar stats. And I just, it's easier for me to look up. So I looked up the, the red zone efficiencies for each team. It's available on yeah, yeah, team yeah. rankings. Yeah. And so New Orleans, 62% on offense. But they give up 83% on defense. They've been unlucky. They're giving up more touchdowns in the red zone. I think the thing you got to do to normalize it is see where a team is. I think look at rankings. So red zone ranking versus defensive ranking. Let's say it's mm. on the – and now if someone's the third best red zone and the third best defense, it makes sense, right? They're, they're yeah. for defense. They're so you're just assuming they're all average teams – this way, you could say, oh, they're 10 points better in the red zone. That would That's... be a big improvement. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And then if you look at Tampa Bay, they're real good in the red zone, 77%. And the defense, they're only giving up 61%. But they so... have a really good offense and a really good defense. Fair enough. So it's not it's not the Tampa number that surprises me at all. This is all New Orleans. New Orleans, off. if you asked me who's better in the red zone, New Orleans offense or New Orleans defense, I would say New Orleans right, offense. Right. So the fact that there's such a disparity Here's where I against think there might them, be a flaw in your thinking. The Saints are dink and dunk, right? Rubber arm, noodle arm. You're going to have more times you're, you're coming in first down at the 19, and now it's hard to score from there. If you have a lot of long passes and explosive plays, yeah, you score touchdowns, but you also get tackled at the five. It just feels like that the difficulty level for a dink and dunk team goes up in the red zone because they – the, the red zone scenarios are, are are more 20 yards to go versus the easy ones. Hmm. That, I mean, I, that's obviously the case. I mean, a lot of people get tracked down at the 10, at the 9. And plus, there's something about explosive. Like, who does well in the red zone? Really mobile quarterbacks, right? Yes. And if you have great receivers, like, you know, they can win the one-on-one -on -one matchup. When you now, Michael Thomas hasn't been in, right? So right, he, he played like a quarter of the first game. That's it, and he and there's a good chance he's going to be back this game. So you do have a weak arm. I mean, literally a weak arm quarterback, and really other Kamara should help, but Kamara should be awesome. In yeah. The zone. yeah. So I do think I and I don't know all the the machinations of how to think through the red zone, but I do think understanding it because I used to think it was all luck, and then it's like no, there's certain types. I've heard people talking about certain types of teams that do well in red zones. I just don't fully understand. Matt, you have any insight into that? The red zone efficient, like w w what team you'd expect to do better other than how good they are in offense? No. And, and every time I try to put a real resounding stamp on that, then it changes the next year. That team mm -hmm. where I say, Hey, look at, you know, Atlanta's terrible. And all of a sudden Atlanta flips the script and they're okay. And so I don't know that there's a perfect formula in the red zone. Obviously, everyone talks about the mobile quarterback, but I don't know that you know, maybe right. it's just because some of the mobile quarterbacks right now are so good.
Double like on the Saints, plus four and a half. Now, these games either have likes or nothing. We're going to go through them quickly. Uh, Falcons, Broncos. We haven't gone over that one, right? We have not. Okay. I, I know we talked about it before the game because I was thinking about the Falcons here. And Matty Holt has – oh, no, Fez has the Falcons. Go ahead. Yeah, the Falcons are a team the pros have loved all year long. We've seen money coming. So in let's be clear, syndicates have loved it. Syndicates have loved it. We've seen money come in on the Falcons on the majority of their games. I believe six of their eight games, we've seen significant money backing the Falcons. Excuse me, seven out of nine games. And that just happened most recently on Thursday uh, with money on them against Carolina. Played eight. Oh, six out of eight. Thank you. Yep. Um, team's much better with Julio Jones. Last three games, Julio's gone for 137, 97, 137. He was banged up with a hammy. All right, we had a little time shift here, and well justified. Maddie, who was up late, worked a full day. Fez was going on. I don't want to make a big deal, Fez. Blah, 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 blah. So we pre-recorded a couple of his takes just now, and we're going to insert them in, but we're going to finish up live, Fez. All right, Maddie, you want to shout bye to everyone? Uh, best of luck this weekend, everybody. Dealing with RJ and Fast. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get through this quick because I'm a little fatigued myself. So you were you you were just go. What were you talking about? Atlanta's undervalued. Oh my god! <laughs> Three losses in games that they had a 96 oh, percent chance voice. to win. Yeah. So Atlanta's two and six. They really should be at least four and four, and they're better with Julio Jones. I like Atlanta here. All right, I can see that, and I was leaning that way too. <sighs> You know, that, they've been good under their new coach, too. They're 2-1. and one. Yeah, and they, yeah, I know. You can tell us they should have won that one game. Um, Fall down, Gurley. Fall down. Well, it's not Gurley's fault. It's the coach's fault. What I'm saying is, well, think about that. We should argue this right after because it's not even arguable. The, the coach had it within his power to kick with five seconds left a 27-yard field goal. Correct? Mm. Yes. It was first and 10 at the 11. Yes. Okay. Yes. They could have knelt. Yep. Knelt. How long is the field goal from the 10 or 11 yard line? 27. Okay. What were you gaining from not kneeling? Fumble risk and touchdown risk. And what do you gain? Some people make a case 27 yards is a better field goal. Closer you get, sometimes it's tougher, especially if it's any angle. Well, they were ahead, so they didn't need a field goal. They, if the first down in the game was over. No, they weren't ahead. They were down, Steve. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, who do you blame? Coach. Yeah. Play, and they say that actually the NFL tape came out. I think I heard about this where the, the guy saying, all right, remember, no touch. Like the quarterback screaming. Yeah. So, and I, but I still blame him because why let there be a chance of that error? Why That's risk what, the fumble? You think Belichick's running it there? No. No. He's lighting up his red R back. So go now. All right. Um. That doesn't change your handicap, but I think to some degree what we're seeing here, and rightfully so, Morris wants a head coaching job. Maybe his intensity, you know, I would have been skeptical the week after that thinking, huh, maybe he lost the team with that. I don't know. Um, On one hand, you could say the Broncos' miracle win gives them energy. Does it inspire them or does it just make the market adjust? Because the market, let's think about the market here. Is Denver opened up now? Look ahead line was three. 
All right, so this was Denver plus three, Atlanta favorite. The world opener opened at four. They said, oh, somehow Atlanta got better. All right. Mm-hmm. And now it's down to three and a half. So that's interesting. Net net from the Denver win in Atlanta last week. Refresh your memory. Who did Atlanta? Have? Yeah, Atlanta um, totally outplayed Carolina. Oh, Thursday. I keep forgetting that game. So they dominated that game. We got to give them a significant upgrade. Okay. So net net, the idea that the line is a little bit more to Atlanta's favor makes sense. Yeah. But if it would have stayed the same, it would have been a sign that Denver was getting a lot of respect for that win. Obviously, they're not. So fading that win doesn't help us, but we do got to feel good that it might perk the team up. Yes. I'm not sure how much. I'm just saying that's the counterpoint. Sure. And a team that, frankly, was it's on the brink of whether they, they could consider themselves a possible playoff contender. They lose that game. They're done. Now they yeah, can say. They were two and four. Two right. And so now they're three and four, and they can say, uh-huh. oh, you know, we're back in it. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And that actually is a real, if you think you're in it. Yeah. So you still like him? I still like Atlanta. All right, next game. Let's see here. Titans, Bears. We had this as one of our big games on the radio show. Huh. Who made that decision? Titans, five and a half. Yeah, I'm going to lean here to Chicago. The Titans, I'm not impressed at all, especially that defense. That game against the Bengals was... You're not impressed against one of the worst defenses in the history of the NFL? You're not impressed? You should be impressed I, how bad they are. I, I, I'm yes. The Bengals putting up 31 with their three best O linemen not playing in the game. The winds blowing at 23 miles an hour, and Burrow and company move up and down the field the entire game. You do realize when you talk about the wind blowing at 23 miles an hour, and you're talking about an entire game, you're saying something that subconsciously people are thinking he's lying because the wind wasn't blowing 23 the entire game. Mm. It could have been for one play, or it could have been highs of 23. It was. Averaging 23 for the game. Was it averaging? Well, that's what the forecast was, and that's what. So you have no idea. What well, was I watched the blowing. game, and the wind was. Blowing. And you could tell it was about 23. I couldn't <laughs> tell exactly. See, do you see how? Yes. Pe- and people might not even know why they think that guy's full of shit, but that's what they think. You're saying things that just humanly you couldn't know. It was a windy day <laughs> in Cincinnati. <laughs> Let's harken back to 1978. <laughs> it was on the coast of California. It was a windy day. In fact, it was 23 miles an hour, exactly at 12.13. And that's when Fred Huggins walked into the club for the first time. I knew the wind because, well, I was watching outside out the window and I could tell. Oh, go ahead. And there's been many games in Tennessee that I can look back on and say, you know, like the Pittsburgh loss, you could argue, hey, they missed a field you know goal. It's funny, the it's like we record him. And he starts back up right with the same voice tone <laughs> as if nothing else was said before. Is there anything I could do right now? If I, like, dunked your head in a toilet. That would, would do it. Would, but would you come back with the exact same voice? Sorry for the delay, but allow me to continue. Let's talk. Matt's gone. Relax. Talk. I know he didn't intimidate you. That's, no. That Steeler game. It's actually probably the other way. Oh, I appreciate oh, it. Oh, is anyone going to say that? Ooh, is Matt going to hear that? The, the, the plus three turnovers in the Steeler You're game. You're just right back to it. Can you talk in any other voice? No. You don't know how? You don't talk like this off air? I don't know what's going on. You don't know you're talking different? No. But right now you're talking like normal. Let me try to keep it. Let's go that. one topic at a time. Steelers game. Okay. So Raven, or I'm sorry, Titans, Steelers. What was your observation? The Titans got plus three in turnovers. Mm-hmm. Yet they still got down by 20 in that game. So you're saying the score was better. The fact that the score was so close is deceiving 
because they had a benefit from our turnovers. In fact, it's an indictment that they even lost the game. Exactly. But Any most other people, topics? Just the first five games. We've been t- talking about this all year, how the Titans had four close wins against All right, so teams. you're saying that every result almost, except this last one, has had uh, – Advanced, there's been factors that made it look better for the Titans. Winning close games, which you're supposed to win half of them, but they only but they won them all, right? Yes. Also, Pittsburgh game, they should have got blown out, but with turnovers, it looks like, oh, it was a close game with the only undefeated team. Yes. So and, I'm all ready to make a big bet on the Bears. Well, plus hold, hold five on. I know you want to go with your continued story here. I'm all ready. It's a, you actually have that phrase ready because you're acting like you're giving us your thinking, but we actually are breaking it up in a way that those those uh, conjunctions don't necessarily work. You'd be like, you pick it up, it'd be almost like, and then I said, but it's like, we. It, it, you didn't just say two sentences. Just talk. I also would add in the Buffalo, right? Didn't we agree that the Bills were in a very uh, disadvantageous position Having not known who they're going to play, so now and even though, um, well, let's think the Titans look. I mean, that's the game. People were skeptical of the Titans with all those close wins. When they beat the Bills, yes. it, there was a little change in thought. I mean, th- remember Tennessee was at points was two two. The market thought Tennessee and Pittsburgh were even teams at various points, right? Yes. I don't think they think that now. So I make the case Tennessee's been massively. What would the line be right now, Pittsburgh? At Tennessee. And you're looking, I mean, take a minute, look at your power. What do you got? Pittsburgh minus two. Boy, that seems like you got Pitt. What you, you just you just don't believe in Pittsburgh, do you? They just keep beating your ass. You don't believe it. I actually, I have Pittsburgh five points better. So I, so it would actually be Pittsburgh minus three and a half on my power ratings. Okay. Yeah. That's, so you're saying the line will close the, well, didn't Tennessee close the favorite against Steelers? Why don't you look it up on your sheet? I wonder how long it's going to take to even find the what, sheet. What week was it, six? I don't know. I'm asking I'll you. Find. You know what we should do, Mackenzie? What's that? Let's, in fact, let's do this. Let's create a grid, and all it has, it's one of those horizontal. You don't think it's week one, do you? Minus one. Tennessee minus one. That was the close? Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying there's about a four-point adjustment, which feels right. So just create a grid. So we have a thing where we have the open, like a bunch, like 10 different points of the line during the week that McKenzie does, you know, starting to do real good work on. And uh, we print it up for every week so we can just look at the line instead of guessing. Now, Steve struggles with having it in a place he can access. But um, you almost done, Steve? Now you're going to put it in there. That's interesting. Now's the time. So here's what I would like, McKenzie, is... You can do a grid where they have all 32 teams down one way and then all 32 teams down the other way. Oh, no, no. All 32 teams one way, let's say, on the vertical Y-axis and then the 16 or 17 weeks on the X going left to right is the columns. And then literally what it will say for Pittsburgh is at, you know, wherever if they're on the road, the other team will be at home against them. And then when we're saying when was that game – if that's the cover sheet of the printout of all these, we can quickly go to the team, find what it is, and flip to that page. I love it. Cool. Actually, uh, a good site did a version of this. You might want to just leverage. Uh, he, he's not as well known, but, I mean, he's known, but he's not like football outside. It's called Football Perspective. 
And I would recommend it. Chase Stort is the fellow's name. He's always been nice with me. I've never met him, but on Twitter. Um, and he did one where every year he puts out like a good one. So we could, uh, you know, for people to use in print. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's the one I saw, but I remember preseason I saw the grid of all 256 games. That's fascinating, games. fascinating. <laughs> okay. Any other stories? None worthy of this amazing podcast. Wow. Let me ask you this. Did you, who did you think was going to be interested in that? <laughs> when you say like, I, I, I thought it was just. Uh, but you do realize you're talking here for the audience. Yes. You're, ta you're talking. Point. As Fez Jr., you're talking for McKenzie. <laughs> me. Me. Nobody you know what's me. funny, though? You're a good-hearted person. Appreciate that. I didn't say anything about you, Steve. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you have a good heart. You got a dig, but it's in there. I, I believe it. Just get past all the money. Anything else in this game? Yeah, so why am I not betting the Bears? So you think I'd bet it? No, go ahead. <laughs> well, the Bears O-line has some significant issues. Their center got hurt during the Saints game. And is he out? He is questionable. Okay, so it may be a non-factor. Calf, calf injury. Maybe may, a non-factor. It may be a non-factor. They have cluster injuries at tackle. Their tackle Massey's out. They might, or uh, in the mic? Like, I don't know they're, why. They're, 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 their backup tackle Springs is out as well. So they're, they got one healthy tackle on their squad right now. So cluster injuries on the old line. That's an interesting point because you might say a backup doesn't matter. But when the backup was going to be a starter, it's like the second starter, another starter's out. Right. So they just brought in a tackle from their practice squad that they brought up. So the Bears are really hurting. What else hurting. could they do? Yeah, nothing else they could do. So the Bears are really hurting on the O-line. That's why it's just a lean. Steelers Cowboys. You know, this is a tricky game because we don't even know on Wednesday who's going to start for the Dallas Cowboys, and none of the options are good. I mean, Dominic DiNucci, just kidding, Ben DiNucci, obviously. <laughs> wasn't the best option last week, but the fact that Danucci has been demoted and, and, and the options left, whether it's Cooper rush or, I mean, there's just no good options at quarterback for the Cowboys. And, and I don't think it's an advantage to them. Some people are saying, Hey, they're keeping it tight to the vest and that's going to be their advantage. And Pittsburgh's not going to be able to prepare for it. The idea in my mind that a top five defense can't prepare for a quarterback who shouldn't be playing in the NFL, I can't really totally buy into that. And for that reason, I have to stay away. Do you believe, and I believe, that Dallas has pretty much given up on the year? The rivalry with Pittsburgh and Dallas is weird because they only play every four years. Yeah. But they played in Super Bowl 10, they played in Super Bowl 13, they played in Super Bowl 30. When I grew up as a Steelers fan, I hated the Cowboys the most because they played two Super Bowls against my team when I was a kid. Do you think because of that, it perks Dallas up? Maybe. And the Steelers are coming off their big, you know, game of the year against After Baltimore. Tennessee, which was another big game, too. That's right. So they're, they're supposed to have a letdown spot, and it's a big number. But, gosh, if Dallas really is giving up. I mean, yeah, and that's the question. I think it perks them up. And, you know, what I'll say is, Pittsburgh, Tomlin, you can never be surprised at the games they come out flat. That's right. Because Especially on the road. Yeah. Hmm. Do we look at maybe... Here's the question. Tennessee, there's been trade... A couple... The trade deadline was a, uh, a dud. Deadline was a dud. Low alliteration. That was McKenzie's writing for the headlines. Is that like, is that like it? I like it. And I believe that the trade deadline, though a dud, 
tells us a lot about who's buying, who's selling. Because you're buying if you think you have a chance to win a Super Bowl, usually. You're selling if you don't think you do. So we talked about the 49ers sold linebacker Alexander. Saints were buying. Now, remember, COVID makes it where most of the time these players can't play that first week. But you know, mileage may vary, as they say. Um, so thumbs up to me for the Saints. The message was sent. Thumbs down for 49ers. And Westgate, amazingly, off that news, it seemed, moved the 49ers from 40 to 1 to 80 to 1. Now, maybe it was corresponding around the Kittle thing coming out even worse, though I think it was generally, you know, maybe, I don't know. But they're really, but no other books moved. So it strikes me mm. that it wasn't something that obvious. They were saying this 49ers team is selling. What is, how could they, they don't, they're gaining nothing from losing Alexander this year, nothing. Saving some money. And they got a bad cap situation next year, which is why a lot of people think Jimmy G will be gone. Like he will never play another down for the Niners. There's a, I mean, I, there's people out there who probably take, you know, 50 50 even money on that. I bet you wouldn't have thought that fast. I would not have. But his contract is set up where it doesn't hurt him this year. But they probably get to trade him in theory, right? And the theory is Matt Ryan might be the guy. That'd be interesting. Because mm. the more that it comes out, they really wanted Tom Brady. They really wanted him. Now, here's what I find fascinating. And the ownership, apparently, the 49ers vetoed it. Here's what I find fascinating. All along, and maybe McKenzie could actually add something interesting on this. All along, Kyle Shanahan wanted Kirk Cousins. Even when they traded for Jimmy G, they thought he was going to be a backup. Hmm. And he played so well during that five-game winning streak, they just said, we got to go with it. And then he signed with Minnesota. The contract for Cousins is not great. It's not horrible. Because Cousins is, what's his QBR? It's like he was nine or something last time I looked. Uh, he's 26 this year. No. You, you sure? I was just... Just oh, maybe, updated you it. You know what's funny? I, I, maybe I was looking at expected points added, which, again, I don't know enough about that stat yet to assess quarterbacks. And and I also was looking at pro football... Fo See me the pro football focus ranking on Cousins' place? All right. I, we'll take I think that was nine, too. It's funny. Hmm. Kind of interesting. I, I'm, I'm going to dig the... I mean, QBR is good. I want to I want to have one thing with it. I just got to figure out what that is. Pro Football Focus actually does a hell of a job with quarterbacks because they, they come out with, and I get this every year when I subscribe, Steve, they come out with a 300-page book on quarterbacks. So they got data vids. They got every situation for every quarterback. That, that might be something you might want to do in the offseason. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, nine. Exactly right. Huh. So I'm just saying there's different ways to look yes. at it. But I like QBR. I'm not going to lie. I think I might have been a little too slavish to it. But imagine Kyle Shanahan says, because his con listen, Minnesota's rebuilding. Whatever you want to say, they're not going to be like a Super Bowl contender next year, but they're paying him out the wazoo. What do you think about Shanahan saying, we'll trade you for a pick swap? So it's effectively we'll take the contract. Whereas if he cut, you know, it's worse, right? I, I think it is where I don't I got to you know in this offseason, I got to dig into the cap. But um, so, Fez, finally, last words on Titans-Bears. So I'm going to lean to the Bears. 
I'm not going to bet the Bears just because that O-line looks to be in shambles right now. And unless we get a better injury report on the Bears, I'm going to have to pass. Okay. And we actually went off on a diatribe of parenting, so we threw it at the back. But we might have doubled up there. And now I'm thinking about it. I think you did already go out on that. Uh, but no worries. Let's keep going. Vikings lines, lines five and a half. We had the lines last week Oof. on a bet. What you got here? Yeah, so Matthew Stafford, COVID tracing. So he missed practice today. Yeah, you're speaking normally, I think. I am now. So, <laughs> this, so this line was four, and now it's five and a half, which uh, – if, if Stafford was out, he's about a four-and-a-half-point adjustment. So the expectation is Stafford's still going to play. Let's keep this simple. Is it Mulan's going up a point? Point-and-a-half now. Really? It's five-and-a-half now? Yes. Okay. It went up a point when it reopened. Yes. So the odds makers brought up a point. Yes. Betting markets brought up another half. Yes. The theory is that, that there's not much of any chance of Stafford not playing because they wouldn't pri- – they wouldn't be a high- – first of all, this wouldn't be the hybrid – I think he's just saying there's a disruption. Mm-hmm. He didn't practice, whatever, distraction. We're going to put a tax on it. Yeah, and it seems like a high tax to me if Stafford plays. So Not through key numbers. Yeah, it's, it's that's certainly the case. But, you know, I, Detroit got blown out against Indianapolis. But I liked some of what I saw from Detroit. It was a little that's bit a, of. When you're a three-point dog and you lose by 21, was it? Right. Bad yeah, that, it's hard to it's hard to spin that as things you like. Right, right. Bad bad that you lose by 21, but Detroit late in the third quarter was down six, and then boom, back to back turnovers, and they were down 21. Stafford threw a pick six, and it was over. So what did you like? The fact that they were competitive. They were down six hey. driving at the, at the end of the third quarter. They were in the game. What I didn't like is Galladay got hurt, their best wide receiver, early in the game, and he's out for this game. So that's you know a key loss for Detroit. I know. So what do you got here? So I'm passing. I got nothing. You tell me. All right. No, that was all right. I just think it's hard. it's hard to say you like things when they're done. I think the way to say that is you can say, listen, I got to be bad. You should have led. I mean, it seems like Galladay be so important getting hurt early in the game. You should have probably led with that, right? Yes. Because it, it, it speaks to the future, but it also speaks to how we assess the last game. Yes. Right? And also I would make the case – that you could say the following. Listen, even with Galladay, how do you say his name? Galladay. Galladay. Yes. Like Gollum? Gall, yeah. Wow. I wonder who would have a last name of Gollum Day. Huh. You know how, like, Shoemaker made shoes or whatever? <laughs> the, <laughs> I think the way to say it is, even with that, they, had, they were down six drive and end of the third. They were competitive up to that point. Then you're not trying to put some generic adjective on the whole game. They got blown out. They were bad. But for three quarters, they weren't. Yes. All right. Vikings, Lions. I actually like the Lions in this spot. And I think, look, they've been playing better. And and what I do like about a game is when nothing changed but uh, perception and then the odds changed. So in this case, hey, Matthew Stafford may miss the game due to COVID tracing. But yet him, his wife, his entire family have all tested negative now. And so there's a very good chance he's going to play. The game's on the board everywhere. So if we assume he's going to play, we reprice the game as if he's going to play. Everything's fine. Why did it move a full point then from the time the news hit, came down, came back up a point difference? So practice disruption doesn't worry you? 
one practice. Okay, no, that's what I'm yeah. asking. Yeah. And it didn't seem to have phased other people earlier in the year too much. Minnesota. For- yeah, so at that point, I think actually we just got a point of value for nothing. So for that reason, I think we have to take the value with the Detroit Lions. And Minnesota couldn't be coming off a more impressive win. You know, to to get that steamrolling win, which even looked closer late over Green Bay, they're probably getting a little too much respect right now. I think this is a good spot for the Lions. Only thing that concerns me, and you can tell me if it does you, when you have a team that has a really bad record, like the Vikings win a real impressive game, sometimes it says, yeah, let's do this thing. Like, there is a sense that they could really, I think the game after a win like that, it helps morale. And I'm not Maybe. saying that invalidates your point, but do you generally agree with that? Generally, but at some point, you're at two and five. Are you, are we rallying here? It's hard to tell in those situations. Next game uh-huh. Texans, Jag, Wires. But somehow, Texans seven, new quarterback, rank, rank it for me or give me uh, a point adjustment. Four point adjustment from the stash, the rookie. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Luton. And the fact that Jacksonville. Their backup quarterback. Don't eat bread, gluten is looting. <laughs> or it could be like if there's a riot, they're looting. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. The fact that the Jaguars aren't going with their backup quarterback, Glennon, they're going with the Oregon State rookie. Why is that? They paid Glennon big money. They paid him more than Andy Dalton got paid. They know what they got with Glennon, and I think they just want to give their sixth-round draft pick a shot to see what they got. And they're rolling with him. I don't think winning is a priority. They're rolling with him. They're rolling with them. What does that mean? Like is that like that is that street talk? I th- I just don't think Jacksonville. No, but what I'm saying is like I never hear you use that kind of idiom. Mm. Like let's roll. Like do you say that when you like we got the wheels, man? Like do you ever say that? No, we got the wheels. Yeah, never. Let's say that, that someone's dad had a really nice car. Oh. It's like we got the wheels, man. Let's go out cool. to the lake. I heard a story once Artie Lang told about Quincy Jones. And I've been re- reading about Quincy Jones. Oh, I've actually been watching a few things on YouTube. You a Quincy Jones fan? No. No, not, I'm not. I'm just not familiar. You don't know of Quincy Jones? Heard the name. Thriller? Never heard of it? <laughs> well, he hates you. <laughs> Thr- no, all of man. All of <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he's you know, probably one of the most famous music producers of all time. And he worked with Frank Sinatra uh, way back. And then he was the producer of Thriller. Mm. Michael Jackson. Yes. Have you? Can you place the album? How many songs on Thriller can you name? I'm under pressure now. <laughs> I mean, there's Thriller. Trying to think of drawing a blank. Honestly, you got... There's gotta be. We're in Fezzik's crazy world. <laughs> I think I should cut that beginning out because it kind of sounds too clowny, but this. Yeah. Fez, think. Just slow down. What? Just tell us Michael Jackson thing. I. Other than, you know, things with children or whatever, allegedly, let's talk about Michael Jackson, the musician. What comes to mind? Like ABC. a glove. The song ABC. Yes. Okay. So not even songs. What other things? Just say things that come to mind. 
He's got the hat. He's got the moonwalk. The moonwalk. There you go. Yeah. What song did he moonwalk to the most? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Um, do you know any Michael Jackson songs, even if they're on Thriller or not? Because then they might be. Well, yeah, there's a good chance that that's like one of his most popular albums. I should be able to name 20 or 30 Michael well, Jackson songs. Well, so why is know, it I can't name any? It's the most popular album of all time, first of all. My goodness. So I think it still is. Brain damage. No, no, no. You just weren't. You weren't around. Or you. I was I, around. I yeah, was you were definitely around. At the time, right? <laughs> I think this music's perfect. By the way. When we go to Fezzik World. All right. So you don't know any Michael Jackson songs. <laughs> Have you heard of Bad? Yes. The, the, I couldn't name the lyrics. Well, I didn't ask you to name the lyrics. Okay. Beat It? You've heard Beat It. Yes. Thomas. Mary Jean, what's the... Mary Jean? What, 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 what is that? Billy no. Jean. Billy Jean. Yes. I got one. Uh, Jesus. Do you see what I'm Billie talking about? Billy Jean is not my lover. <laughs> I believe it. Did, I mean, Matt, do you see what I'm saying about that that segment on, or the whole hour? Yeah, I see it. I Just mean, beat it. Could you? Just beat it. Um, Tag that, please. <laughs> Those are the moments we're going for. <laughs> Just the like the beaten man going. <laughs> yeah, I won't even do because I know enough. Even if I control the tapes, I'm not doing it. Oh my god, Steve, you are awesome. But what's funny is I think Mackenzie might be like coming up the rear because, I mean, who would say that they got moved from departments? And I mean. It's like, he's just telling the truth. He got it. He understands. I'm going to protect him. I might bloody him up. Who knows? The world might hate him, but he'll be, he'll be like um, Puck on the real world. Take your word for it. You were a big fan of Puck, right? No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> what seasons of the real world did you watch? What is the real world? <laughs> zero. Point zero. <laughs> Tag it. <laughs> Point zero? What does that even mean? Wouldn't it be zero point zero? It means I've, I have zero exposure to the real world. <laughs> Wrap that in. <laughs> All joking aside, MTV, does that, does that help? The real world? No. Right. You know that one of the first, if not first, reality shows ever was MTV had the real world, which was... Every year, I think it was, they would have, like, real-world New Orleans, real-world whatever. And it was the whole season, it was like you would watch, and, and it was a reality show. So a bunch of 20-somethings would be, like, at a resort town. And they'd start. It was like, like did you watch um, Jersey Shore? Never. Are but you I know Snooky. That's it! <laughs> By the way, put that in there, too. Yep. I know Snooky. I mean, that's great. What could we do with that? That's interesting. Like, maybe have him say, like, I know Nookie, I know Snooky. <laughs> and sounds... I hate, and, uh, oh, something with Bookie. Let's think about this a second. Uh, Bookie, Snooky, Nookie. I'm going to think on that one. That's going right. to be good. 
All right, so we know you know Snooky. Do you know any of the, the other? No. Why Snooky? I don't know. Was she the most famous one or were the situation? I was going to say the situation. Did you watch Jersey Shore? It was it was around it was always on in college. Yeah, I've saw, I've seen it. Huh. I thought it was awesome. I mean, it was too good. Ronnie was my guy. He was crazy. Like they were all scared of Ronnie. He was like the incredible Hulk that was going to like at any point go crazy. I like Jay Wow. Jay Wow was my cousin. Oh, well, yeah, that's a different kind of life. <laughs> yeah. That's a good name, too. It Jay is. Wow. <laughs> like, you don't different. wonder she's hot. <laughs> you ever watch a real or um, no. Jersey Shore? No. Is that ludicrous? If I can only name one character, I hope I haven't seen it. I've heard you say you watch movies. You didn't know the name of the movie. You didn't know any of the actors. Fair, that's fair enough. <laughs> All right. What do we got left? All right. One thing about rookie, the rookie in the draft, he ran a 5-1-40. Which is slow. Which is really slow. And I think it's significant because what's the one worry you have when you bet against a rookie? Oh, it's just going to take the ball and tuck it, trying to look really good. So the fact that Luton. So you're saying the worry if you want to bet against him. Yes. The one area that he could potentially be effective is as a runner. Yes. And so the fact we don't have to worry about that makes me want to bet on Houston here. Mm. Further, I think it's that a- that is a good point here. Keep talking. And I think Houston's in a solid spot here. They're off a blowout loss against um, Green Bay, then a bye. So I get a favored team off of a bye. You don't like this. Why? But I you made five picks. Why isn't this one? Because Houston's shopping fuller, and I think it's sending a sign to their team. Hey. So this, are you you literally wouldn't bet so you wouldn't bet the 49ers or you wouldn't bet Houston under any circumstances. It would be rare. There'd be a circumstance, but it'd be a rare circumstance. So I'll pass. What do you think about what message is it sending to the Jags that you're not starting your best viable quarterback? That you don't care about winning and sending so Isn't a that a bigger message in full? It is. It is a bigger message. All right, we talked Washington Giants, talked Chargers, talked Steelers, talked Car. That's it, right? Dolphins. Oh, one more. Dolphins. Dolphins. Dallas, Dallas, excuse me. Pittsburgh, Dallas. Oh, yeah. Continue. Why did I say Dolphins? I don't know. Continue. All right. I like Dallas here. You Catching like the them. 14. I do. I think it's a horrible spot for Pittsburgh. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're the Steelers expert here. That's fair. Uh, Steelers. In, in the world, but no. Yeah, the Steelers. No, that's not true. Uh, the Steelers just get that. Really impressive win against Baltimore. Um, impressive in that, you know, beating a team as good as Baltimore on the road. And they won at the Titans as well. And now it's their third straight road game. And I know it's Dallas, and that's my only concern because there is a rivalry there. But this is the sort of game, historically, that Pittsburgh comes up empty in. That um, I agree. They, you know, I, they look past this, this team, and they're 14-point favorite. And now, you know— what quarterback are they using? Ah, they're on their fourth or fifth string quarterback. They're going to use Gilbert or Rush. But I tell you this. Well, first off, fourth or fifth, they think they're the best. I mean, they're choosing him over Dominic Exactly. Nugent. So, basically, so, they're going from their fourth string quarterback to their third string quarterback. I think it's an upgrade for Dallas. Well, to- I don't know about that. Who's the third? They don't how could we say he's third string? We don't know who's going to start. Because he got a choice of two guys, Gilbert or Rush, and I'm Which confident. Which they're not third string. They'll pick the best of the two, but why would they start Danucci first? That I, mean, I don't they, understand. That, that, let me tell you. It's simple. They thought he was better. Hmm. 
What else could it be? Right? What else could it be? So they're picking the lesser quarterback in their mind, though Dominic's performance made them think otherwise. Yes. Right? They thought that Danucci was better. And and I love the fact that they're not going to say who they're picking until Saturday. Maybe they know already. Now, Matt is cracking on you about that, you know. Earlier when he was recording, he said, some might say, and this is your take. Go ahead. Well, my take is that if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm already overconfident, and now I don't even know which quarterback I need to prepare for. But you don't care if you're not I don't care because I'm so overconfident, so it's not a priority. So, just, but in a way, so you're not going to prepare for either of them. Not to the extent I prepared for Baltimore or Tennessee. And so because of that, it wouldn't— Well, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. What team would you rather—the team you would least want to play if you have a really young quarterback that— you know, probably he's going to be prone to strip sack. I mean, the thing about strip sacks is it's because you hold the ball too long. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And quarterbacks want to succeed. They know this might be the only time they ever start in the NFL. So I probably don't want to play the Pittsburgh Steelers who sack the quarterback more than four times per game and get tremendous pressure. But, and they they get the best pressure in the league, right? Yes. So the four times a game, that's, that's contact. It's like the yeah. best. So, but you still like it. I still like it. I've seen Pittsburgh fail in the situation so many times. I don't even have to count them. I'm going to fade Pittsburgh. I think, I listen, I'm not sure you're wrong. I mean, meaning I, only thing, I, what's the, up, from Andy Dalton to one of these two quarterbacks would be what, if Dalton's healthy? Four? Three and a half. I would rather literally give four and a half or no, give four and have Dallas plus 10 with Andy Dalton. Hmm. I think everything works. And again, I guess if you're just fearful of a strip sack, it's probably not going to happen all that much. Maybe you just play and accept your, you know, kind of in a way you're trying to avoid a fear that shouldn't matter that much because there's always risks, Mm -hmm. but it just feels like I can see it coming. So on the road as a favorite under Mike Tomlin, 42%. And that's a lot of games, 27 and 39 ATS. When favored by 7 plus, 35%, 6 and 11. And in that, a subset of the 7 plus is 10 plus, 2 and 7. So, Mackenzie, you do realize that makes it 4 and 4 from 7 or 7 to 9 and a half. I do now. So it's probably not worth even including it. Just the two would have been better than the. Yeah. Than the <laughs> yep. Now, but that doesn't mean the break point isn't somewhere in between. It might be the three and zero oh at eight. So you know you could find a different break point. But the natural ones are going to be seven and ten. So the best, yeah, the stat here is, and it's good info. Thanks. Is uh, ten plus, which you mean ten or more, correct? Yes. Two and seven, but in a way having subsets. This is the thing. You might say two and seven. That's not enough sample. And you'd be right, but when the entire road favor is 27 and 39, and that means you take that out, it's still 25 and 32, the two and seven out, you still, you got a nice size saying they don't win in this spot. Here's a subset that could be better, or maybe they're all road favorites are about the same, but either way, you're, you're probably not in a, lo- a winning spot and not know it. Yeah, and all things being equal. You understand that, Steve? Is what I'm saying is, that and I know you understand that the concept. I guess do you agree? Is I if I have a big amount that's just you know you give me six hundred games that are forty eight percent, 
I'll fade any subset of that. Not blind, but I'll take it seriously because I, I go, worst case, it's 48%. Right. And right? I should be able to cherry pick something better. Maybe, I mean, I, you think so, but there's a chance you're, you're backfitting. And, and a it's still 48%, exactly. even if I'm full of you're, crap. You're repeating it very well. I'm asking you, any, anything, you want to add anything to that? No. Anything else on the game? What do you think of my motivation, the Pittsburgh, Dallas, Super Bowls, I think it perks up the Cowboys more than the Steelers. Steelers are beyond it. I, I think it's a strong point because I, I would much rather take wa- the Washington football team or the New York Giants catching 14 against Pittsburgh than Dallas because of that point. Because Pittsburgh's more likely maybe not to be flat because they see the star and the rivalry. All right, guys, we've got... I like how I bet Seattle-Buffalo under 55 uh, too easy to take the over here. The Bills played what could have been a trap game against the Patriots. Could have lost, but they found a way to make the play and win the game. But I think that took them a little bit out of favor with the betters, especially when you factor in the big boy loss at Tennessee, losing to Kansas City at home, not really hammering the Jets. So what do we got to look at here? Well, I look back at the Bills game against the Chiefs, similar team to Seattle, at least offensively, 26-17 lost. Holding Kansas City to 26 was good but they let Edmund Hilaire rush for 161 yards. And Seattle isn't going to threaten that with D.J. Dallas, maybe harder Carson play, but they're not Edmund Hilaire. Seattle does have a good run defense, 3.9 yards per rush, but I wonder how much of that's because they're so vulnerable to being thrown on. Teams are only running 32% of the time against them, which is far and away the best in the league. The question is if Josh Allen is able to take advantage of that Seattle pass defense. So I go back to the KC game, and he was not. 14 to 27, 122 yards in that game. I don't think the Bills can score even on Seattle. They average 18 points per game over the last four weeks. Seattle has no reason to get margin. They play an AFC team. they got two division games coming up, one on short rest. Seattle hasn't had a game finished with less than 53 points this season. They're begging for over money. But Josh Allen may be the worst quarterback they've faced this season, and Buffalo may have the best defense they've seen. I trust Leslie Frazier more than Brian Dable. I trust Ken Norton more than I trust Brian Schottenheimer. Bills and Seattle off huge wins. Got to be a letdown somewhere. I say it's on the scoreboard. Bills, Seattle, under 55. All right, guys, we've got some really good, and I mean really good. If you like the lifestyle stuff, discussions, and from here it's all that. Except I'm going to leave you with a little gift. Talk to you soon. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, your referee at this time, Jack Lutz. And at this time, may I introduce to you the manager, the Hollywood fashion plate, classy Fred Blassie. This contest is scheduled for one fall with a 20 minute time limit. Introducing first in the corner to my left from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, weighing 262 pounds, Dominic DiRucci. Oh my God. His opponent from Venice Beach, California, weighing 320 pounds, the incredible Hulk Hogan. Look at, look at that, Roger. Are you there's no one in the planet that puts it out before that? I don't know. I'll, you don't I'll, go hunting for team totals early. You don't know. 
You don't play a lot of team totals, do you? Is this more advanced? You, you want me I to smash them it? on game day when the when the. Totals but why would you wait? Why would you like let crazy? the lines shape up? Because I don't typically see them. But you're not hunting for them. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, do you know any place putting them up early in a regulated book? Uh, maybe Friday. That, I'd much rather get out of Friday than Saturday. Than half. Who knows? Saturday night. So, I think you can get them Friday because so now you get the weekend cruise on. Who does the software? Like right now, at a typical licensed book in, let's say, Jersey, how many licensed operators are there? Oh, in Jersey? Yeah. Shoot, I think it's uh, like 26 now. Wow, okay. Amongst them, how many different providers of the software do you think there are? And I know you probably don't know exactly. Uh, I would estimate... I think Jersey has more than any other state, first of all. Okay. Because a lot of European and international operators, their first stop for licensing is Jersey, for whatever reason. Just, well, I think the size of the market, right? Yeah, that's probably a good part of it. Um, so and Maybe they're more liberal. Like in Nevada now, we only have like three or four different is it, software providers. The friction is higher to get licensed, right, in Nevada? Yeah. So I would say maybe there's nine, ten in New Jersey. And in most other states, it's significantly less, like five or six. Is there any names that anyone would know that's not in the industry? Thai Games, SB Tech, uh, IGT. So these are big boys. Yep. Those are all game makers, right? Yeah, but they are all software platform providers now. They uh -huh. all either bought one or built and it, one. And in a way, games are software at this point. Like in the old days, they mm -hmm. you, you could you know they'd be programmed, but they'd be like the chipboards. I mean, now it's literally just. Yeah, I can see meaning that a, a slot machine or whatever is really a computer with a screen. Mm -hmm. in it. Yeah, that's all. So what? Well, so in a way, the skill set's the same, right? Like to make a, a poker or to make a poker machine or to make sports betting software is very similar. It's there, a, yeah, other than the fact that if you're making like a slot machine or something, then you have to get an approved random number generator as well. Mm. Um, but other than the random number generator also being approved as, you know, working properly, um, yeah, it's pretty much the same. Now, is that super, not talking about any given state, but in general, something like that political, almost like in New York City getting a cab medallion or whatever, like, it's like, it's not so much is this truly a random generator, but only friends of friends are going to get the approval and then they can charge a premium to the game manufacturer, or is it like that or not? Do you have any idea? I think gaming laboratory standards have greatly become more consistent. So there's only like three major labs across the whole country. Yeah, GLM. Wow, it's great you know that. Yeah, BMM, GLI. And, and why would you know that? I mean, I know you're very knowledgeable, but like you haven't dealt in casino play, have you? Well, we had to get plenty of stuff approved. But So you went through the process, but it wasn't with a random number generator, or, or was it? No, we had the things that had random jumper. Oh, you had, like, double-ups and stuff or things well, like that? Well, at Cantor, uh, most people don't remember because it wasn't very successful. We put a lot of money into mobile casino gaming platforms. Ah. And then what happened yeah. was, you know, Lee always thought he'd get it approved, same thing, you know, across, mo you know, across the whole state, but he didn't. It was on property only. But we still have to have random number generators in them. Yeah, that makes sense. Boy, you had a lot of nice experience. I mean, in a way, the ambitions of Cantor gave you a lot of experience. Yeah, absolutely. And saw a lot of failures, right? Sure. Right. Got a, a lot of lessons learned. Good that's, a, that's one regret that I have. I've never worked for anybody for even a second. I mean, I guess doing Fox, 
I'm I'm a con- you know they contracted with pregame LLC, but I mean you know I give them a ton of credit. They don't micromanage. They they've never told me anything actually. Like to not like don't talk about that or talk about that. One time I was gonna say I, I knew it was gonna be sensitive. I said can I, you know what do you think? And they said you can, but you're probably gonna get into some trouble. <laughs> not from him. Like Scott Shapiro, who used to be Mike Mike's producers, that head of Fox Sports Radio now, but he goes just knowing the political, uh, corporate political landscape, you're probably going to run in trouble. I said, eh, we'll skip it. <laughs> I didn't care that much. It wasn't like something I felt that strongly about. I think it was something with Dan Lebatard getting late. Uh, he got suspended or something and, you know, that kind of thing. And at ESPN. So, uh, but in hindsight, what I would say to the kids, the college kids above 18, no, we know there's no under 18-year-olds listening. <clears throat> but if so, with a parent. Like cuddled up popcorn and fezzik. <laughs> you wouldn't let him with your kid alone, but I think, and Matt, you can tell me what you think and we'll move on. I think there's nothing better than either. And an ex of mine had such a great pedigree. She graduated from a Big Ten school, you know, not, you know, not a high state, not one of the good ones. And I guess Indiana. Is Indiana a good academic school? I don't know. Probably middle of the pack there. Yeah. I mean, Northwestern's probably obviously number one academic. I don't know. Big Ten. I don't know. You ever meet anyone from Northwestern? I did. I met a few. <laughs> uh, what would you say? Northwestern, Michigan, then Ohio State? Yeah. I don't know. If someone's going to say, no way, man. But. Uh, I mean, I think Indiana's probably like five or six. All right. So, but did very well with uh, Suma there. And then she didn't even go to graduate school. She got. Um, snapped up by Anderson Consulting, right? So there's McKenzie, which is still big. Oh, there you go. Or McKinsey, though. McKinsey. McKinsey, yeah. Yeah. And then Anderson. I think, you know, they got caught up in that big, uh, I can't remember if Anderson's even around, the, the, the accounting firm, but they had Anderson Consulting, right, which was the second biggest. So what she would do is, like, she was 22. She, she went through some six-month boot camp there, which was probably super valuable. And then they'd say, okay, we're sending you out to Tucson for three or four months. It was like that was the engagements to get this shipping companies straight. So she'd learn everything about that, get to see all the mistakes, get to meet people, network, and the next time, three months here, three months, did like six years of that. Think about it. You're getting, let's say, three a year. You get 18 instances of seeing mistakes. You got the best support system in the world. It's like the best MBA you could ever get, but you're getting paid back then. You know, today, I think someone like that is going to get paid 200 to start. Again, it's a high cal- It's a tough job to get. And then she went and started a company and did well. But, um, but she was like 26, 27 years old with massive experience. Yeah. You, in a way, didn't get the variety, but the, you were. it's kind of funny for as ambitious as Cantor was, there was a tight inner circle. Yeah. It wasn't like there was a hundred people. You know, it was like you, like five, six people, right? That's were, right. It was a pretty, yeah, uh, it was pretty the dude small. With, like the dude that always wore the, what was that dude's name that wore the, uh, he had like, he looked like he did a lot of drugs in the 60s and he would wear like leather jackets to meetings. He was the guy that did a lot of the media buying. Oh, uh. You kind of, you, you don't remember who I'm talking about? No. Oh, I, I still got his name in my thing. I'll, I'll look it up as we're talking. All right. But uh, he was he was he was interesting. He looked like he had been at Woodstock though. Is he was a little older. 
I still like the Patriots. I mean, to me, what I'm certain of is we got the right side on the under team total. The question is, is Belichick going to score? But really, if you know, let's say we give New uh, Jets 10 points. Do you, if, I, if Jets score 10 and we know it, do you bet the Patriots? Of course. Yeah, so you think over 17 for them is easy. Because yeah, the expectation for them is that they're going to score 24 and a half, 25. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you... Yeah, I think you're right. So, you know, I actually like the Pats the most. I'm going to make that my best bet. I like that. Yeah. I like the way you talk that through. Yeah. And I also think this, Belichick is a, is fuck freaking crazy. And he is so mad right now. They are going to run. They're going to hit. I think this will be like Lou Holtz kind of off three buys. And, I mean, he's not – because I think it's more fear of losing. Imagine how upset he'd be losing, being the first win against the Jets. No, that's not, yeah. not going to be And good. you know these New York – and he, he likes to stick it to New York any chance he gets. I just had – Biacek was his name. John Biacek. Oh, Biacek, yeah. sure. I just – that's yeah, funny. good just, dude. Yeah, but – Chief you, marketing you, officer, CMO for a while. So you didn't know the CMO? I did, but <laughs> – but you're, I he guess had you're, a very you and Fez like relationship with Lee. Oh, okay. So, yeah. he, so by check was hated by Lee. No, Lee just Lee oh. liked him, but just beat on him. <laughs> we would go into meetings and. Well, was he good at his job? I guess you don't know. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not exactly a marketing expert, yeah. and we didn't exactly do a ton of marketing. I don't even know that we needed to buy shows and stuff. So he sponsored one of the shows. Like, you know, we yeah. did that nighttime ESPN show. Yeah. But nice guy. Yeah, he seemed nice. Yeah, I'm just nice saying. guy. But he always seemed to be in on I guess that was my dealings, right? Because it was more He was yeah. in the inner circle. Yeah, yeah. All right. Lee drove him to the brink of I wonder how old John's doing. <laughs> if you're out there, please contact me. I'd love to buy you lunch. Because I wondered for his well being when he finally quit. You and Robert Walker do a lot of lunches, right? I love Robert Walker. Good guy. <laughs> One of my favorite people in Nevada. <laughs> All right. Former uh, Stardust manager, right? Yeah, MGM, U.S. bookmaking now. So the guy that was the famous, the guy that was the guy that wrote, we, uh, Scotty Shouten was his name, right? Or is his name? He's still alive. Shouten was like the guy that was after, if I'm not mistaken, Frank Ro- Rosenthal, like it was, uh, he wrote the book. He he writes an article for Gaming Today, I think, or at least he did recently. And then um, he wrote the book, which I loved. Is that what it is, Scotty Shelton? Uh, Scott Shatler. Oh, Shatler. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Is that I misspoke? Okay. Uh, but you know of Shatler? Yeah, yeah, I know of him. I don't yeah. know him. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just getting the pedigree there. So it was, uh, you know, the 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 Nero character in Casino, right? Frank. Rosenthal, right? Yeah. And then Shetler was next? I think he was, right? I think so. And then it was Walker? And then Lupo? And then was Lupo the last one before he tore it down? Scoochie. Uh, okay, you mean the guy was at Orleans? Uh, okay. Yeah, the, yeah. Or, the Boyd guy, Bob's. Well, I don't hear about him at all anymore. He's still a Boyd. Okay, Scoochie's Malensky and him Boyd. were good friends. So that's why I always nice heard it. I don't know Scoochie as well as I do, like, you know, Jay and Robert and a bunch of the guys, but everyone says Bob's a great guy. And the few instances I've been around him, Scoochie's a great guy. Now I think about it, he did that podcast on ESPN for a while, at least a year, if not two, 
and he, he I remember now he was a salt of the earth type I've never met him but uh he was a pool shooter like uh, almost you know close to be a professional kind of, like very good yeah it's funny man you know Matt we got to maybe team up on this and I, I'm gonna actually I've actually had very uh, I don't even know if I'd call it preliminary but here's my theory Almost everyone that really mattered in Vegas gaming, Vegas sports betting, let's say that. I don't care. Gaming, it's, there's a lot of scholarship on it. But sports betting has no scholar, meaning the history, there's no Hall of Fame, which I don't, you know, that's something. Oh, they started one. They did? Where? Yeah. So uh, they just had the first inductions this year, and I was so happy to see Vic Salerno. Okay. Be one of the people in it. Leroy's. Uh, a lot of things for Vic. I mean, he was a, a true pioneer. I mean, he built yeah, the but CBS. He started with Lee Warriors and ended with Lee Yeah, but Roy. computer booking system. I mean, yeah. CBS, that was him. And Well, there's a good story. You can look that up on the internet. Yeah. It's good stories on that one. Well, there's nothing to is there was a lawsuit. And listen. Sarah Slane, another one of my advisory board members, used to run the sports betting task force for AGA. She got inducted into the Sports Betting Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. So this is different, Dan. Because I want betters in there. This you know, is, you know, I think you bring no up a great betters. point. Because no, because no betters. The, well, yeah, but that's if you think of an industry, it's the, it, I can see the bookmakers getting their say, but then you get to batter. Right? Like like let's be. You could have a Hall of Fame without Billy Walters. Well, I'm just saying. No, no, it's a different the thing. It's, fame, a, yeah. it's an the, industry Hall of Fame. The, po could, the poker Hall of Fame is all poker players. There's no like poker managers. So, and yet the sports think, betting Hall of Fame is the opposite. Boy, boy, you finally perked up fast. I think both sides. I, I think by definition, they need each other. Yeah. Right? Here is the list for right. this year's Hall of Fame class. Raymond Lesniak, former new senator of New Jersey, helped spearhead some of that. Jay oh, yeah, Rude. The spearhead. Okay. Jay Rude, formerly of MGM for a long time. Uh -huh. uh, now the COO at Bet.Works. Roxy Roxborough. All right. Everyone knows Roxy. Yep. Is, Big, was, is there anyone, po po what is it, posthumously, or it's the only people alive they're putting in? I, I, these are just the five. Because if you don't, I mean, if you don't have Bob Martin, in, you can't put Roxy in before you put Bob Martin in. If and but maybe they're saying if you're dead, you're dead, which wouldn't make any sense. Let me see. This doesn't seem like it's an inaugural class. So let me okay. see who else is that. Judgment of the quality of the entrance. Like this could not be the inaugural class. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, I mean, because in a way you're ruining it by by putting Lesniak, because. To me, you give him a special mention. You give him something, an honorary. But he didn't spend it. What percentage of his life was about gambling? Right? So, so actually, it's five years old. So I just read you the 2020 inductees. All right. The 2019 inductees, Chris Christie. Come on, really? Artman Terrace, Stations Casinos. I like that. Dennis Drazen. <laughs> uh, Dennis Drazen, who's an attorney and CEO. Who? Uh, Dennis Drazen, attorney and CEO. Of what? CEO uh, and he worked at Monmouth Park. I guess he had some connections with Monmouth Park. So is Park. this a horse racing and sports no, betting? I don't think it's supposed to be. I'm just reading you the sports betting Hall of Fame list. Richard Flint, sky betting. Shouldn't I have heard of some of these people? <laughs> John Boyle, founder and chairman of Boyle Sports. What is that? Uh, Denise Coates, founder and CEO of Bet365. How the hell is R.J. Bell not? No, 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 no. I mean, listen, listen, all joking aside, isn't Bet365 an offshore? Oh, that was more in Europe, though, right? Yeah. 
it's in the United States. Is this a worldwide sports betting? Yeah. Well, sports that's a whole different. I, I think you got to make it U.S. based. Yeah. You are Hall of Fame, right? Because it's a whole different market. Who knows? Look, the five people that just went in were all Americans. That's what I'm saying. So it felt, I mean, you know, who was in the inaugural class? Because Bob Martin, I I got nothing for Bob Martin. We but- got uh, John Anderson, former the founder of 888 Holdings. Let me go back. Oh, so that okay. was 19. Finishes 19. I'll just read the 18 mm-hmm. ones that we're really familiar with. So I'll get you uh, some background music as it's happening. Oh, man, these are tough names. If you haven't heard of them, I probably haven't heard of them. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the co-founder of, of B-Win, I, okay. the chairman of Intralot. So uh, this is like a business. This is like a chamber of commerce type thing. I'm just reading you the Hall of Fame, yeah. man. This is something like <laughs> you are a chamber of commerce guy, though. <laughs> like glad handing. Pinnacle, Paris Smith from Pinnacles in it. Fred Wait, Dome of Bedfred. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Pinnacle is in Henry's Pinnacle or some other Pinnacle? Yeah. Holy cow! So Pinnacle was like close. To, my understanding was if they didn't start taking U.S. customers, they were going to get whacked out. And now, wow. 2017 induction class was three people: Fred Doan of Bet Fred, which is wonderful. I Bet Fred's one of the biggest books in the world. A, a great addition to the regulated U.S. sports betting landscape. <laughs> We should have special music when he's like just doing it for political purposes. <laughs> what are you talking about? I love no, no. I love Bet <laughs> Fred's. You love a company. That's yeah, I love everything about him. Oh, Karsten Carl from Sport Radar. Who hmm. some would say uh, at least a former competitor of yours, right? They they kind of stopped doing it. Yeah, I, I totally don't want to comment there. Yeah. Uh, but look, Karsten, look at his credit. I mean, I I, I always give people credit. Competitors are <laughs> so nice. And Karsten, you know, uh, look at Sport Radar now. I mean, he's done some amazing things. Well, yeah, when they make billions, you probably at some point got to give them a kind of a tip of the hat. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's not so bad at his job. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's the Hall of Fame. The wickedest man in the world. Actually, read me just one more name. One more name? Just pick one. Uh, Don't make it it Art Man Tanner. Mark Blandford, the founder. The wickedest man in the world. (laughs) Matt didn't push. So there was your SBC Hall of Fame. So there's not a sports betting Hall of Fame. Because that's not that. Jimmy the Greek's got to be in that. Those guys felt like they all belonged in the Hall of Fame. Oh, no. And I'm saying that Hall of Fame, which is the business side of sports betting, which is vital. Every one of those guys were deserving. Like, if you came up with the Industry Hall of Fame, you would have picked the all The Industry those Hall well, I, I, I But it's the sports betting industry. I know. So I'm saying the Sports Batters Hall of Fame. Okay. Right. Or the Sports Batters Hall of Fame. You should of, start the Sports Batters Hall I, of Fame. Nah. I, I tell you this. If I retire, like, when I got to the point I don't have to really work, I would about it is having to pick the people. No, that would be fun. That's oh, how really? you leverage it. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of good ideas back in the day about organizations like that. If you get in the middle of that stuff, there was a guy here in town. He's called, he might still be around. He's called the uh, the Vegas Godfather. Now, this dude was a, what's that called when you're a talent guy, where you, um, like a headhunter in a way for tech. So I got to know him through a former guy who worked for me, an older guy. And 
he was the type where if you were like Mariah or MGM and you needed a new CTO, he knew everyone. You went to him, he'd place it, and he'd make like 150K just on that placement. It was like really good money, like big money. I don't know, 150, but it was big. He did a placement for me, and I paid him. He gave me some super discounted rate, and I paid him like 15 just to find someone for, and I was paying the guy that came like 80. So, I mean, it was like a lot of money. Because uh, imagine what the MGM's doing, right? Yeah. And he had the brilliant idea, and this is pre-downturn in 2008. So this was like seven I got to know him. And he would do this. He would go to the uh, Hilton at the time, and he'll say, all right, I want to use your Elvis suite. One of the things is in the Elvis suite. He goes, and everywhere when we send out the invite, he would have a quarterly party four times a year, and everyone wanted to go. That was kind of in that world because one, it would, he'd have great food, he'd have um, entertainment, he'd have like professional singers that sing on the strip come and do a private. There was maybe eighty people at the event, so it's like a little private. It's not Lady Gaga or whatever, but it was like you know the next level or two levels down. But people headlined on the strip. Matt, there was a close magician dude that was there once. It was great. He, I mean, it was amazing. He would just turn his hand and make things disappear. I, mean, I don't know how he was doing it, and. Later, I got to know it'd be like someone says, I'm, I'm mad at the Philly or the Vegas Godfather. And they go, um, yeah, but I'm not going to tell them because I want to be invited to that party. <laughs> it was like literally because the thing is, if you would disappear, people would go, where's so-and-so? I wonder if he's out of favor with the Godfather. It was like somehow he created this universe in which you people, serious people, wanted to be at that party. And, it, and, and here's the thing. He would have all VPs and stuff from Mirage. Like, so all the people he knew that were on the buy side, I guess you could say, um, would come. So if you're a talent, you're going to want to be there. I mean, imagine like in rock music or something, if you have like the head of every label at a party and you're a manager, how bad do you want to be at the party? So whoever middles that and is running it, you know, and he, he would get everything comped because like career, career uh, builder or the other sites that are like, what's the other ones like that? Um, like the, Indeed. Yeah, Indeed. Yeah. Um, they, he would have them sponsor it because they couldn't work at this. This was the same concept, but he was more advanced. Like no one's going to go to Indeed for like a CTO for Mirage or whatever. So they would pay for everything. So they had like steak, shrimp. So he figured out how not to spend a dollar. He probably made money. And everyone wanted to go. That was in that little world of tech recruitment. But I, I was still meeting vice presidents of the Marat, you know, that kind of thing. And one day I didn't do something he asked me or something, and he never invited me back. <laughs> I can't remember how it ended. It wasn't bad. It was just, you know, I was on the periphery of getting invited anyway, and it was just, you know. Yeah. So if I were doing the Hall of Fame, there'd be a lot of power involved. Think of all the tweets that wouldn't get. Would sent. Roxy still be in your Hall of Fame, though? I've never, I've never interacted with Roxy. Oh, but I think Roxy certainly should be, but he should be after the guy that started it. Bob Martin was the first, hmm. at least no, you know, he did it publicly. Now, Bob Martin actually ran one of the biggest books in Vegas, um, and he was also putting the line out. But uh, it was, I think, the Union, the Union Station downtown. But like. You know, you know this because you know the history. Is it's true in casino? The sports books were never in the casinos, right? But then, what? Because the sports books couldn't make any money, and you probably know this too. Is they used to tax them? I think ten percent 
no matter what. If you bet 100, there was $10 attached. So it was more than the hold. So what would happen is the only people that would bet, they'd have code, and they'd walk up and say blue, and blue meant 5X. So that meant they want to bet 50. They'd say $10 on. So, and this is all in Shatler's book. Shatler was there with the, you know, whatever, sawdust joints or whatever they call it in the casino. So the theory is now they're only getting taxed on 10%. So now it's a 1% tax. Yeah. But it was all trust, right? It was all you knew the people. So it was like an illegal bookie, but, you know, in Vegas. And Bob Martin literally went from working there to running a major joint because what happened was, in 76, I think it was, they changed the taxes and it went to a quarter point or something, right? You know that yep. number. I don't know if it went directly to a quarter or if it went somewhere less. Well, there's another tax on it, but it's taxed on it's taxed on bottom line. Okay, so you make or a it's profit. it's taxed on gross GGR. Mm -hmm. And GGR, I think the tax in uh, Nevada is 6.25%. And that's on gross gaming revenue. So they're taking yeah. a chunk of the profit, but they also want a chunk coming in. Yeah, it's a it's a quarter of a point up top, and then uh, I think it's six point two five percent on GGR. So even if your operating costs and stuff don't get it to come out, they just want to know what your win was that gets reported. Yeah, that's why they're so worried about it being reported, right? I guess, right? Wow, you I guess you can trust those numbers because they're getting taxed off them. Yes. Wow. So like with Cantor, that you guys were super ambitious with uh, turnkey type deals and rentals. You were still you weren't getting any relief because of that money being spent from the GGR tax. Yeah. Oh wow, that's interesting. It's kind of one of the reasons probably some of the other places weren't more ambitious. You got to wonder if they were. And I don't remember hearing any of them that were ever really too profitable because of it all. That weren't being ambitious. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, the sports books in Nevada were there just to be an ancillary benefit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, we don't want you to go to the other property. I remember talking to all kinds of, uh, you know, big casino bigwigs, and they'd be like, yeah, my sportsbook, you know, risk manager or sportsbook VP so-and-so will just leave names out. He does a pretty good job. He doesn't lose us too much money. They just didn't want it to lose money. They wanted it to be an amenity to the customers. Now sports is actually an attractor. It's a customer attractor. It's something you use as a customer acquisition tool. But for a long time, it wasn't. It was really an amenity to the casino. You know what would be an interesting story is the various points from 1970, whatever, 79, I think, it, or 76, till now is what books at what times were ambitiously looking for business. Because hmm. obviously cancer during a period was, right? And you would make the case that uh, when Steve Wynn was work hired um, Vicaro, uh, Jimmy Vaccaro, for the Mirage, they were being very ambitious. Like that's Westgate for a period. I yeah. mean, they built a big giant book with all these boards and put up futures, the props, the likes no one had seen at the time. Imperial but, Palace with what they did with the prop market. Yeah, yeah. Now was it uh, Cornegay was at IP first. Mm -hmm. He was yeah. there. Right? Yeah. Who was he? Who was a, someone pretty known was over him at the time, right? Who was over him at IP? Was hmm. it? It's like a name we. Mackenzie, look at that. Just look up Imperial Palace Sportsbook and see someone's name you will recognize as the manager. Was it Art? I don't know. I don't know. So Art wrote that Art wrote that book about like Superbookie or whatever, right? And I think it wasn't Art was at the Hilton. He was. Right? Okay. Yes. I wasn't around for that. What year was that? I, was, I don't know. Yeah. So that's a funny. This is like history that really you got to piece together. 
like there's like 10 people that really know it because they all meet like that's the, the thing is and i didn't know until you know there was a year whatever that uh chris andrews was working with me and in the pregame offices and it'd be like tuesday they had the bookmakers lunch or whatever day i can't remember what day it was and they'd go over to this diner on the west side that had good italian food and it was like an italian deli diner and they'd sit for like three hours and just shoot the crap and it was like really at almost every name in the business and you know before chris got at the south point and, and has you know gotten a lot of i think rightful attention there being ambitious is you know he was one of the guys that was really at the heart of a lot of stuff but his name wasn't out there because he was mostly in Calneva up in which was mostly reno if not all reno for a time i think and or at least not in las vegas and i'm not sure maybe they had one out here i don't know i know eventually they did right you could back because uh yeah, was it Tuscany was the first one? Yes, yes. Tuscany, because that's actually, they actually put up a Super Bowl prop of mine once, and I made a bet on it at Tuscany just to have the ticket. So, yeah, that was it for sure. But he he, he was it, because he's actually cousins, I think it is, with Art. Art, Harry. first cousins. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's very incestuous, and um, uh, I don't know those guys. Huh. So there's a guy at the Circa now. So those are the former but Matt Metcalf's really young. He started off, you know, he, he must have been at the IP then years. That that's all. So what did you look at, Mackenzie? Imperial Palace Sportsbook Manager, and those are the names I recognized. Okay, I'll look it up. Well, yeah, because I I should do better at this. But the point I was making, and I'll wrap it up here, is when look at Jimmy Vaccaro. Right, he was one of the first. He came out of Pittsburgh. And I always say this, I should say it every time, is he's been great with me. And there was no reason at the beginning. And, I mean, now you don't know, right? But he, I don't know how old he is. He's got to be 70 if he's a day, right? And it's like the famous line on The Sopranos when uh, Paulie goes, his mother was with a friend, he goes, I knew you when I was 15 years old. You were old then. He goes, I'm old now, and you're still old. You know, it's true. Like, I think it's been 20 years that I knew Jimmy, and I thought he was old then. And it's like, he was probably like 40, but, you know, when you're 25 or whatever. And, <laughs> but in 10 years, I don't know what the number is, right? We don't want to be morbid. But though that's the generation that came out in the 70s. Right? Let's say they were between the ages of 22 and 30 and they really got involved. Well, how long has it been? Right? So, 90s, 2020, it's been 40 years. Mm -hmm. So, the young ones are in their young, meaning young, young, 63, 64, 65, that were there from the beginning. And the older ones are 75, whatever. In 10 years, half the stories are gone. Yeah. Right? And even if they can tell them, it's going to be, a, you know, that croaking into the mic, does, you know, if that's the only way you can get it, I want to do a, like, multiple-year endeavor. You know, no, there won't be any money in this, where I interview, like, five hours, like, whatever it takes, three days of it, one week at a time, you know, as much as for everyone to tell their entire story. Like, literally, every story they got, and what we could start doing is database it where every name, like whenever 
So, Matt, we could do that and, and meta tag it, right? Where if they mention Billy Walters, it's meta tag. And at each point where we could always go back and say, oh, we want to do something on Billy Walters, we got seven stories on him, right? Yeah, we, we can meta tag. We can put it all in the transcript, too. Yeah, that's a good point. We could just search the train. Matt, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. And, and if it's not, if I don't, I don't say I'm the only one that could do it, but I'm probably the only one that wants to do it as bad as, I mean, I don't see anyone else doing it. If not, it's going to be lost. It will be gone. Dude, it's not even in books. I mean, it's hard to find a lot. Most of the stuff I know that's interesting is not in any books. And it's not like I'm some, I mean, I've been here a long time, but I don't talk old stories all the time. And you probably, I bet each people's going to, I can ask each person, who's someone that doesn't have a name that really knows old Vegas, you know, knows this industry specifically? And I probably get it. Like, that dude that used to be on the John Kelly show, I can't remember his name, but it was a dude that was literally like used to sweep up at the Stardust. And he still bats, and he always bats, um, you know, he's like a small batter. He's like in his 80s. I think he Bobby might Bobby the Owl. Yeah, Bobby the Owl. Is he still alive? Believe so. Yeah, so he used to call up, and I didn't know him, but he had some story. He was yeah. there. Yeah, guys like Bobby the Owl. Now, he got a little bit of profile because he was on that show, but there's more Bobby the Owls out there, yeah. and they're going to be gone too. <laughs> What do you, I mean, Mackenzie, I know you're not chatting football with Kyle all the time, but it, do you do you have any uh, insight regarding how much he wanted? Like, there's just a love there because they were both with Washington, remember, that famous staff. And yeah, he, and I, I met Cousins. I was part of that Washington team as a very, very low-level person. But, uh, yeah. They're, a ball they're, boy, a ball boy. Uh, not with Washington. I was a PR intern. I was a ball boy oh, with the Broncos. that's actually cool. That's yeah. cool. How long did you do that? Uh, just one one year. That's all, But a full year, 12 months. No, it was just uh, from the training camp into the, into the oh, season. Oh, one football season. Okay. Yeah. And did you were you there the whole season? Uh, I started working for a radio station that worked with the Redskins, but I wasn't directly with the team the whole season. Did you get fired? No. <laughs> uh, I did have to change departments. That's a different story. But Is that true? <laughs> yeah, the very first day on the job, Tony Wiley, the PR head, was like, All right, the one thing you can't do is say anything out of the side. And like, I immediately was on a podcast with someone talking about stuff I saw. And it was so, a bad so idea. So you're almost like an act, like, um, I haven't known anyone personally in AA. I know a lot of people should be in AA, <laughs> but, and literally what you're saying is that for you, like if they were a bourbon drinker, like a nice bourbon on, you know, on the rocks, just rattling that noise of the ice rattling is kind of what a live microphone is for you. <laughs> Yeah, just and you, you can't walked, have one. And you couldn't even say no. Like I could see if 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 somehow you said no to the guy like fifty times, and 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 finally like you got mad at someone at work, and you're like, you know, so I don't really like this job. I, you know, I'm gonna just go on. And no, it was the first time you were. At, they said, now there's only one rule: <laughs> you can't talk to the media. I hear you, sir. <laughs> and then. Next day. Well, let me tell you something about cousin. Like you're on mic within 24 hours. I, I thought Pierre Garcon was a nice guy. I wanted to talk about him. Uh -huh. yeah. it, it was within 24 hours. I didn't. I never. I never thought they'd hear it. It was a small thing. So you figured the truth doesn't matter. It's, can I somehow get away with it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But to, uh, long story short, Kirk Cousins and Kyle's have. First a great of all, this is by far the most entertaining you've been in a while. Oh, cool. So let me decide how long the story should go. But continue. So Kirk Cousins and Kyle have a great relationship. Quicken it up. The one thing I will say is uh, Brady wanted to be on the 49ers. They, that was a yes, no for the 49ers, not the other way around. That's what I just said. 
You, no, said, you were saying the 49ers wanted Brady really bad. No, I didn't. You didn't oh, listen. Then I, then I you must have been making a note in your thing. I said the 49ers wanted Brady. I said the owners vetoed it. That yeah, it, it was that, their decision. Yeah. The exactly. Yeah. So I'm correct. Again. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just saying is that that was just specifically discussed recently on a show when they were going through the TikTok on it. So, which is, again, it was based upon the idea that they're probably, they're not in love with Jimmy G, like Fez is. And that, you know, it'd be one thing if he was their guy, but it wasn't he was forced on him. He just, he played so well, and the contract was reasonable. That's yeah. the thing people don't get. Jimmy G, for a guy that hadn't, you know, started or whatever, it was a big contract. Personality but, eradication, uh, I must the funny, undergo. The funny thing Complete is, personality. That was one of Fez's things I was working on. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was working on a thing where Fez... <laughs> That's funny. I was working on a thing with Fez where it was the idea of him being like a, you know, like an uh, uh, alien. And that before he came, it was like, well, before he came here and tried to learn the American ways. <laughs> that was hilarious. See, Fez, I'm always working on stuff to try to like give you, you know, let's just say joshing. I think it's fair to say. But I was, <laughs> I was looking up another sound file. That was interesting. Thank God there's not like just or like um, audio porn or like I wouldn't want my porn. You know, one time I brought my iPad to a um, hit, you know, a radio hit that I do downstairs. You know, I've got the ISDN and everything. And you guys' mic is open. And um, I hear eating. <laughs> what, who, yes. It's Mackenzie minus 280. No. Uh, can I take that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is Mackenzie's been doing shakes in the morning and stuff? He's been doing better. I mean, he's like, that's a funny thing. He's gonna when he's like four hundred pounds when he's in his fifties, he's gonna look back and say, "Man, I was thin." <laughs> Enjoy it now, but uh, I I don't know if it was Michael K or whatever. And then I open up my iPad, but occasionally just to stay current on the culture, we'll look at pornography, you know, and. It was like it just popped on, and it, they got it so those um, uh, video players seemed to take over the screen. You know, I don't know. And all of a sudden, and I'm like hitting it stops. You know, like I'm on air, and I don't think they heard. You ever ever, ever have that happen to you, Fez? Not yet. What's your wife's position on porn? Meaning not participation. What I'm saying is like. Some wives are like, good, let him get his frustrations out. And others are like offended because like she feels like she's going to be compared to those girls. The latter. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> how, how did I know that? <laughs> but see, with you, I could have seen both ways. I could have seen both ways. So anyway, this is what I was going for, Mackenzie. It would have been so great without the setup, but yeah. That's ice. It's a sweet sound, isn't it? By the way, Matt, I spent some real time. I started thinking about laugh tracks, and I said, wouldn't it be cool if I had, like, 20 different laughs? And then I ended up spending, like, two hours on each laugh. So I got two laughs now, and it's only taken four hours. Here's one. Tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
very uh well very, that's like, awesome what it's very think? jazz club like comedy club 1965 yeah what i've done is on 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 amazon there's like a ton you know a bunch of laugh tracks so i listen to every one to find even parts of it that are interesting and because you know when it's canned it just sucks and then i put them together there's usually like three different laugh tracks into one and this is one where there's like a at the beginning i think i gotta bring up the volume there's almost like someone like almost spits out like Pah! listen at the beginning this is interesting <laughs> see like that little haha at the beginning you never hear that on a laugh track yeah uh -huh. you would be like a kid in a candy store in a in a post-production sound edit suite in a movie I know, but they actually have them now that are like supposed to be close to it for like twenty bucks a month. I, <laughs> I actually have one. I was the guy, the owner is going to give us a um, a tour of it. I just been waiting for your time to free up a little bit, but um, yeah. Let me try. Fast, tell a joke. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't cuss. Damn it! I left my cigarettes at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, nothing's gonna say that. Uh, <laughs> is that when you told us? Oh no, that doesn't sound like a kid's joke. When did you learn that one? I I told Johnny that one the other day. That's an interesting thing. But I asked when you learned it. Uh, when I was a kid. So oh, so you guys were cursing and stuff, and that that's what was cool. We talked about a a, a, a bad words with Johnny, and so. Oh my! So you had to have a. How old is Johnny? Nine. He's, he's turning ten. Yeah. When's that? February twenty fourth. Okay. Yeah, so he's nine. Don't rush it. You're yeah. gonna be wish he was nine. Yeah. So, how did he say bad words himself? He said crap. And you said, "Well, time to have a talk <laughs> yeah, with him." Yeah. Now, here's the question, and I hope to God you answer one way. I hope you said crap's okay, but, and then drew some line. Or did you make it fantasy world where he should never say anything that wouldn't be on Leave It to Beaver? It was that one, right? Yeah. Does that, that, I mean, haven't we seen enough out? Listen. Hey, I still told him the joke, though. That's, did you tell him before or after? After. Don't you realize you're sending mixed messages? Yeah, I am. And was that trying to subvert the message? I thought it was being too hard on him. Yeah. So literally at the end, but you do realize by telling him that joke. I killed the message. Yep. Yeah. But you didn't kill the message. What you've done is created a, a sense of, this is what you're supposed to do. But it's almost like that Catholic thing. As a Catholic, I can speak to it. Yep. And you want nothing more than to drink out wine. Mm. You following? I am. But if you know this, it sounds like you've actually thought about it after. So you were introspective, not about yourself, but about your parenting, which is really about yourself. So that would have been a good answer earlier. You see what I'm saying? Yes. But I'm actually proud of you. You were thinking about it. 90% of the tickets on the Packers. Wow. I, you don't see 90 very often. Wow. So what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, are you going to go and say, you know, because honestly, him saying crap, is that a problem? No. But, but he got sat down over it. He's fine. Was it? He didn't get sat down. He was just. Well, you say, did he say it and then there was a quick family meeting? Or was it he said it once a couple of days ago and you get, we should talk to him about that. You don't, I don't, you're trying to think. No, you know the answer. Yeah, it was, no, mom said, Johnny, that's not a word you should use. Okay. Yeah. Now, but then you, I can accept that. But then, then, I mean, but then what? 
You said you talked about bad words. Yeah, but so, then I told him that joke. So it wasn't like, and 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 when you said cra uh, craps on a or when the wife said craps on a word to use, how did he respond? He go, oh, okay, yeah. or, all right, and. And then how did the other bad word, like, did you start naming the bad words? Like, did you put the George Carlin skit on or? <laughs> Not yet. No. So, so how did you say it? Like, like. I don't remember the context. Well, you remember, but it was just a day or two ago and you were thinking about, were you too hard? It's exactly what you remember. Okay. That's an interesting one. This is kind of fun. Cause I, you know, I don't have kids. I'm not probably not going to have them. I'm just, again, I. I would I, I would really enjoy kids if I saw them an hour a day. Now I know the whole thing. Oh, once you have them, it's like no, I I am a selfish dude. Meaning selfish, I like my time, not so like I like to read. I, and it's like I I got three, uh, two nieces and a nephew from the same. Only have one sibling, so and I see them for extended periods. And the first like. Literally, the first half hour is joy. They're great, you know, good kids. And, you know, they're teen, you know, uh, one's a tween and one's a teenager now. So it's been many years. I saw them at all the ages. And at every age, there was so many redeeming things. And then after a half hour, I was exhausted. I'm not talking about running around. I'm saying they want your attention every second, right? Kids, mm -hmm. and I hate giving attention to anything that I don't want to give it to. And... But then I'll go, you know, read or, you know, take a drive or whatever. And then a couple hours later, I come back and half hour sounds great. Like, I want to see him again. But when you have kids, as you know, it's nonstop, especially before they go to school. It's, you know, yeah. I mean, from the age of, you know, when they're the terrible twos I get. Because when they're in the crib, I mean, there's things to do, but they're not dictating as much through, you know, at least through going to school, it's just nonstop. And I get it. Like, I guess there'd be some transformational thing where, like, it doesn't, you know, a lot of people say, I hate, I hated kids, but then I had my own. Matt, you got three. What would you say about this? I say everything you're saying is right on. <laughs> he, Matt is the best combination, I say this sincerely, and we'll finish up, of... He loves his kids. It's so obvious that he does right by me. But he's honest about the trade-offs. And, Fez, you're the worst. I actually have the worst and the best here. Because most people are a little, you know, they'll kind of say this stuff. But, you know, he gives the, the unvarnished truth. He's like oh, yeah. the Robert Downey Jr. or Robert Downey Sr. Used to have a show, I think it was called The Unvarnished Truth. He was like one of the first loudmouths, actually. You know, like night nighttime screamers about politics or whatever. Um I should look him up. He was huge for about two years. I haven't seen the, any youth. I don't even remember. I, I don't even know if that's Robert Downey Jr.'s dad or not. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, interesting. But I, I told this story once. I'll make it quick. Is I did tell the wife. I said, listen, we can have kids. I go, I will provide 100% of the money and 10% of the parenting. And let's be honest, she would be a much better parent. And you're like, first time you're nodding, like, yep, yep. Listen to you. But you're a great parent, though, Steve. Awesome. Right? I think so. Yeah. 
I think so. But but let me ask you, on the surface, I would seem like a much better parent because you are all, like literally, I could play the drop right now. You're literally like an alien. Like you have no idea of any human shit that's going on. Yet somehow I'm, I mean, I'm biased, but I, I don't yes. think I'm a very good husband, but I'm a, I'm a great parent. Well, you don't think you're a good husband because you're told that nonstop. So, but the, <laughs> who's to say that's a fair assessment? But don't you think it's possible that, that, Let's just say the journey from where you are as a human to being a good parent's a long journey, wouldn't you say? That that it took you changing your ways a good. Oh bit, no doubt. Right. No doubt. Yeah. So the journey for me would be less. Yes. So why are you so sure I wouldn't be able to transverse it? I can promise you, if I did it, or if it happened, mm. that it would be done well. You think I'm going to like neglect a kid? Do I seem like someone that doesn't do right by the people that I'm supposed to do right by? No. Right? I mean, I would say that's the thing, one of the things I pride myself on. And would you say that is that I get a good grade for that? Yes. Exceptional. So, so let's just say this. I, the person I am typically would not be a good parent. I would have to change. Yes. And, you know, I happen to like myself. I do. Mm -hmm. I don't like every part of myself. I get worked up sometimes. I don't like it. I've gotten better at that. So, yeah. You have gotten way better. I have. Way, way better. Thank you. It's true. But if I had a kid making me frustrated, and you know what else? And I'll be candid. I'm a hard dude on people that I, like, you're like this. Once you start caring about somebody, it's like you let your guard down, and you hate that because you got your guard way up, even more than me. And then when they disappoint you, you are like, they're blood enemies because, like you said, I let you in in a way, and you hurt me, all right? In the past, you give me, yeah. Up, you mean up till now? Nah, I've I've mellowed. I've you mellowed haven't really mellowed. You become in, You haven't let people in, which means you don't maybe get hurt. So, maybe yeah. so. You got your family. That's enough, right? So, and I'm not saying it should be enough for everyone. I'm saying for you, you didn't need a lot of that anyway. As a you know, as a let's say quasi human. So, I get all that. But for me, if a kid. I almost would say if I was going to have kids, I'd have to have three because then I think I could calm down. If it was just, you know, like with you, all your hopes and dreams are wrapped up into one kid. If that kid ends up deciding what's a, who knows what, right? And I don't think he will because I think, John, you know, like I think he'll have his lefts and rights like everyone, but I think he's going to turn out great is my guess as a professional predictor of the future. But there is a lot at stake in that one kid. You know how some people get premonitions? I'm one of them. So things happen. That's going to be tough. Like you could see, like Joe Kennedy had nine kids. He wanted every, he loved every one of them, but, you know, he was diversified. There you go. You've got all your eggs in one basket, That's which true. again is a wonderful thing. I think me, if I thought my kid wasn't working hard enough or wasn't smart enough, I would still love them. I just question, Matt, you're a pretty discerning person, and I'm sure your kids are imperfect. Like, do you find yourself, like, getting too worked up th that they are? I mean, how do you balance that? I had to go to the extreme in order to learn not to go to the extreme, and then I mellowed out. So you think that was an issue for you for a while? Oh, yeah. And then, okay, and then something happened that made you see, oh, my gosh, and then you made the effort to change. Yeah, they start reflecting your behavior, and you start wondering why they're doing it, and then you realize that they are literally m mimicking what you do. Oh, no, that's fascinating. So it's not so—so so 
it's funny. It shows you how I don't even get that part is you're saying, and we all hate, and that's the thing. What do we hate most is the parts about ourselves. We hate most what we try to deny. Yeah. Right. I mean, that is like philosophy or psychology one-on-one. So the theory is you're going to see yourself in them and you're going to see the good parts, but then you're going to see the parts you hate. And it's so much easier to be critical with kids because your only role in a way for a while is to tell them right and wrong. Yeah. Okay. And if if you start to develop a consciousness of what you're seeing, then you can kind of grow. I don't want to get too touchy feely, but you can, you can change and you can start to see that you have a responsibility. There we go. To affect them more positively and hopefully not do to them what your parents did to you. And this was a public service message. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's it. That was the last. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.